Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, basketball fans around the country, and welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday, February the 7th. 2019. I am your host, Dave McHugh, and we welcome you into another Thursday edition of the show, which will be a little bit different tonight. We will be going three hours. <laughs> we don't usually announce that kind of thing, but we will be going three hours tonight as we deal with not only regional rankings and certainly new top 25 and results and all of that jazz, but we'll also be discussing the closure, the final closure, ultimate closure of the Stevens Point investigation into men's basketball. A 28-page report is finally wrapped up, done, and dusted. It is an interesting read. We will try and do our best to break it down here tonight. We've already had extensive coverage on d3hoops.com. Pat Coleman with a nice job of breaking a lot of things down on that. He will come up later in the program, later in this first hour, um, to, to to help break down further, especially after we hear from Brad Duckworth, the uh, athletics director at Stevens Point, will join us live here on the show in about 10 or 15 minutes to answer our questions. Surprisingly, the press conference light on questions um, that they had at Stevens Point. It may have something to do with the report had only been out for about an hour or so when that press conference took place. But we will talk to him about what we saw in this report and get his reaction on some things, get his take on some things, and so on and so forth. So that is obviously a big chunk of, of the start of this show. But in fairness, that we are in February, we've just had the first regional rankings out, and there are other teams we really want to be talking about in Division Three, not a three-and-a-half-year-old investigation that finally came to a close we are going to still do our normal two hours of a program thus three hours so tonight we'll spend the first hour talking about the stevens point investigation what led to what and all of that jazz but we'll also take the time to talk about division three basketball on this first full week or really second week i guess now of february so really, no, it is first world week. And my weeks and dates are, are, are all jammed up. It's not even funny. So in the first hour, again, Brad Duckworth, Stevens Point's athletics director, will join us. Remember, we talked to him a little over two years ago when the second wave of, an, of a punishment, or at least the first hint, not hint, but really significant alert as to what was going on at Stevens with the investigation took place. We'll talk to him. Pat Coleman will then follow up. We'll have a conversation with Pat on what it all may mean. Then we'll switch gears, get into our normal show. We'll start things off with our WBCA Center Court segment. Laura Hayden, who's an assistant coach at Lynchburg and one of those um, best coaches under 30 designees, will join us to talk about her interest in women's coaching and and being recognized by an organization like the WBCA. Julie Folks from the now 21st-ranked Transylvania Pioneers will join us to talk about the surging transy team. Transylvania playing extremely well, and I'm kind of curious what it means for them. Uh, Julie has done a good job there. We haven't talked to her in a little while. Looking forward to chatting with her. Then John Krikorian from the number 16th Christopher Newport men's basketball team can maybe come on and explain to me what I've been missing all season. I finally voted for him this last week. Uh, you can see that in my blog that was posted every week. 
Uh, we'll get his take on what is a down CAC and maybe you could argue a down mid-Atlantic region as well. Chris Downs will join us from, from St. Lawrence men's basketball. Talk about an up and down se- uh, couple of seasons. 20 and 7 a couple of years ago, 5 and 20 last year. Now they're off to another terrific season at about, how was it, 16 and 5, I believe, off the top of my head. We'll talk to him about that yo yo and what's going on with the Saints. And then Bob Amsbury will join us from the 15th ranked Wartburg women's basketball team. Always fun to talk to Bob. We'll talk to him about that, the American Rivers Conference race. And a whole lot more. We'll certainly try and answer your questions. I'm sure there's some who have questions about the Stevens Point investigation. I'm sure there's some who have questions about regional rankings and top 25. We'll try and get to it all. I am absolutely surrounded with paperwork to the point that I've buried the phone system, which will be interesting tonight. All of our guests are live tonight. That's another little caveat, too. So there you go. Let's talk. We got a little bit of time here to maybe answer your questions or comments or thoughts that you may have. Matthew writes, only took the NCAA forever to finish the UWSP case. Good old slow, inconsistent NCAA. Let's get this thing out of the way now. That was not the NCAA's fault. That was not, and we should point out, NCAA is Division Three. The Committee on Infractions is a Division Three Committee on Infractions. It is not made up of Division One. Division One has its own committee. Division Two has its own committee, and Division Three has its own committee, and Division Three's committee is made up of Division Three members. It was not the NCAA that took its time. This is what's called a summary disposition. And in a summary disposition, all parties work together to come to a resolution. As in, what went wrong? How do we fix it? How are there going to be punishments handed out? And how do we move forward? If you look at the Thomas More case in women's basketball, that was not a summary disposition. That was a flat-out hearing where an investigation was took place. Thomas Moore was called to the Committee of Infractions for a hearing. A hearing took place. Questions, answers, you bet. The investigation stood on its own, and the Committee of Infractions on its own decided where things would head. Those tend to be, tend to be quicker. It depends on the case. It depends on what's going on as to which avenue is faster. This was a summary disposition. And we will talk more to Brad Duckworth about maybe why it took longer than we've ever seen in Division Three. at least I'm aware of, in Division Three. But there were a lot of pieces in play, and there were a lot of voices at, who had a stake. And when you have to have each voice sign off, it gets a little convoluted. I don't disagree that this shouldn't have been wrapped up two years ago. We had... Well, less than two years ago, we had a hint that that's when it was going to get wrapped up, and it dragged on longer. And there's, in my opinion, no excuse for that. From what I can tell, nothing changed in that two years. We'll ask Brad about that. But this is not an NCAA thing, and, and blaming the NCAA for incompetence or slowness is not a fair or smart thing to do because the NCAA wanted Division Three Again, Division Three wanted this wrapped up a while ago. And the Committee on Infraction, again, is made up of Division Three people. And what's interesting is there's a number of people that rotated off and rotated on between the Thomas More case and this Stevens Point case being wrapped up. I do wonder if that had some effect on maybe some of the outcome. But this, again, is not an NCAA thing. This is all run by Division Three. The rules are set in place by Division Three members and, and institutions the Committee on Infractions and what they do with those, the only thing that is NCAA per se is the investigative side. And that investigative side, best I am under the impression, was wrapped up quite a while ago. The investigation into what Stevens Point did, from what I can tell, was wrapped up 
quite some time ago. So again, let's not, uh, that Matthew, it's, it's not fair to say that this is an NCAA um, inconsistency, though I will grant you it took forever. If you have questions for us, you can join us on Facebook or YouTube where we have chat rooms. There's even a chat room on Periscope or you can somehow chat back to us on Periscope. We will try and answer your questions the best we can. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate that. He says good points. You can also email us, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. That's dave.mchugh at d3sports.com since our Hoopsville one's been acting up. Got a tweet from Brennan. It says, on UWSP, were you surprised the 2015 title wasn't vacated? I'll speak more about this a little bit later when Pat Coleman comes on the show. I would argue, no, I'm not surprised it wasn't vacated except for one thing. And, and on page five of the report, there's some glaring language that I think could have justified it. And that language read, and you're going to hear me say this a few times tonight. Uh, UWSP gained an extensive competitive and recruiting advantage because of the violations gained an extensive competitive and recruiting advantage. I think that that language alone absolutely could have justified some vacation, vacating of games and vacated a championship. That said, I think it also gets into some gray area because the gray area, and we'll talk more about this later, is while it's extensive, can you truly tie practices back in September and October really leading to a championship in March. I'm, I could argue both sides of that, or I could understand both sides of that. So I'm not sure. Am I surprised? No, I got a hint, not a hint, but I, I had a speculation probably in the last year and a half that the championship and any punishment towards the current team or student-athletes was probably not going to take place, or rather that any punishment towards student-athletes, outside the fact that they were they were unable to participate in the postseason two years ago, and I, if, I, if memory serves, Stevens Point wasn't going to be in that postseason even if they, even if they were uh, um, eligible or not. That wasn't the right course of action. I'll leave it at that. We'll talk more about it down the road. One more thing. We will beat Wisconsin Oshkosh this weekend. UWO is 11-0. Let's go. Matthew, I wish you luck. Matt Hunt says, maybe a tad early, but do you think the men's tourney site, what do you think about men's tourney's heights site hosts? Always tricky. Matt, it is tricky. Uh, it is a little early, but later in the show, we'll certainly dive into that. I would argue we've gotten a hint of where hosts could be, but man, there's so much movement that's going to take place, and... I think the committee is going to have some challenges. Uh, and again, there's stuff like last year where we didn't even know there were problems when suddenly, um, you know, hosts couldn't take place in Texas, for example. So a little challenging, but yeah, it's going to be tricky this year. I'll be fascinated. Again, Oshkosh is a hint there that the men are going to probably have to be on the road. There's a hint that maybe St. Thomas men, if they were in a hosting position, are going to be on the road. There's a few other schools like that, and that'll be fascinating to watch. Of course, new number one team this year, Nebraska Wesleyan, spent all of one week in the number two slot, returned to number one off of Augustana's loss. Uh, they had a, a, an easy win over Simpson with Wartburg coming up. And Wartburg beat Loris, so that will be an interesting game on Saturday with Nebraska Wesleyan. Whitman's got hasn't played yet. They got two games this weekend. Oshkosh got past Whitewater, then had a thrilling over, overtime game against Platteville. They've got Stevens Point coming up. 
That's a tough week for Oshkosh. That Platteville game's a little bit worrisome, and now you go into a game where Stevens Point needs to win. Um, I don't know. Maybe Oshkosh takes its final first loss in the conference. I'd be surprised if Oshkosh comes out of the conference regular season undefeated, but they're certainly doing a pretty good job so far. Um, all right, you know, I say that now. Am I am I forgetting that they already lost? You know, they're they're undefeated in conference, are they not? I think they are. Oh yeah, of course they are because, <laughs> duh, it was Wheaton that beat them earlier in the season. I should have remembered. I watched that game. Uh, Augustana got past uh, a, a pesky Wheaton squad who may be playing itself out of the tournament, which is too bad. Ashton Francis deserves to be in the tournament. They got Milliken coming up. Shouldn't be a concern though. Milliken certainly has been known to 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 get some people. St. Thomas is undefeated this week, winning two of three games. They've got Augustana coming up. MIT got past Coast Guard, and they got Springfield ahead. That Springfield game should be a dandy. Randolph-Macon got past their rivals in Hampton-Sydney. They got Randolph coming up. The only losses so far, Marietta lost to Mount Union in the middle of the week. Didn't I warn you on Monday's show to watch out for Mount Union? Mount Union's showing its teeth a little bit here. North Central lost to Illinois Wesleyan. I'd love to tell you I'm surprised here, but I think that's a, a loss that's bad for North Central. I think they needed to get past Illinois Wesleyan. I know the CCIW is tough there, but Illinois Wesleyan hasn't been a world beater this season, it turns out. I think that's a, a tough loss for North Central. They've got Wheaton ahead. This isn't going to get any easier for the Cardinals. Wabash lost to DePaul. Wabash has lost, I think, three of their last four. They seem to be in disarray right now, and they could be playing themselves into a tough spot for the NCAA tournaments. And lacrosse loss again, this time the River Falls. Can't imagine lacrosse stays in the top 25, but I think you know the WIAC is starting to beat each other up almost too much. Guilford also lost to Roanoke. Not surprised because Roanoke's a better team than, and than people realize, but Guilford had also been cruising along in the conference. Augsburg lost to St. John's. That's a good win for St. John's. They needed that, and Wheaton, as we mentioned, lost to Augustana. On the women's side, only one loss in the top 25. Oshkosh lost to Whitewater in overtime, which definitely was surprising, and Babson in the receiving votes category lost to number six tough, so nothing Really shocking there. Um, not sure if there's more questions, but we we have a jam-packed show, as we mentioned tonight, and we most likely will have to keep things moving. Again, the first hour of this show is going to be dedicated to the Stevens Point investigation. We're going to talk to Brad Duckworth here in just a moment uh, after the commercial break about the, the results of this investigation, the length of it, and some other things. And then Pat Coleman will join us on after that. Once we're done with the first hour of the show, then we will um, get into the regular scheduled programming that we would normally have on a Thursday and then spend two hours on that. So this is a three-hour show tonight. If you stick with us, I promise you there'll be a good chunk of time at the end of the show to answer questions, talk about regional rankings. But for this first hour, we're talking about Stevens Point. We want to get it done and dusted and move on. So... Uh, I guess the, the easy way of saying it is there you go. So if you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com or, or uh, join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. For the most part, that will be screaming at, streaming at the bottom of your screen the rest of the show. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We got a lot. Mark, I say, says, hey. Yeah, Mark, real quick. Uh, I got to get going. Um, or are you just saying hi? Hi, Mark. Um, Gray got his... Drive for five. Augie with a win. North Central loss clinched at least a share of the CCIW title for the fifth straight season. First time in conference history. You're right, Brennan, but I'd love to see him win it outright. How's that sound? We'll, we'll, we'll celebrate with him when, he, when they win it outright. We'll take a break. When we come back, we dive fully into the Stevens Point investigation with the athletics director, Brad Duckworth. We'll be back with more 
of Hoopsville in this special extended edition after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Carol LaHaye, basketball coach at Randolph-Macon College and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, back to Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Thursday evening. Of course, an extended edition, as we said, of the show. A reminder, if you're just joining us, we're spending our time this hour talking about the Stevens Point men's basketball investigation and then we will move into the regular show, as it were, almost as if it was an hour later, uh, starting at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, reminder, Pat Coleman will join us in a little bit, and then we'll have our full complement of guests. I know there's lots of questions about regional rankings and the like. It is a crazy week. Started with a marathon a week ago today into going to Hope Calvin last weekend, uh, um, postponing the show because of that trip and Super Bowl into Monday. The investigation comes out Tuesday. We have a top 25. We have regional rankings on Wednesday. Of course, we were talking about Greensville scoring 200 points. And now we're here a week later, and it feels like two or three weeks. It has been a little bit nuts, and we appreciate your patience and uh, appreciate what we can do for this show. Uh, one of the things that was key, I think, a couple years ago when we first got a the information that the um, – Investigation, it definitely turned up more than maybe many had thought it would into Stevens Point, 
was a little over two years ago, Brad Duckworth came on this show, the athletics director at um, Stevens Point, and was very open and discussed things for the most part as openly as he could, honestly with us. He had promised then, and he, and he has lived up to that promise now, of returning to, con- to have that conversation with us here this evening. And so joining us exclusively on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the Athletics Director for Stevens Point. It is Brad Duckworth. And, sir, I appreciate you taking the time to join us once again here on the program. Well, Dave, I, I, I appreciate you having me. I told you a couple years ago I'd come on when I could. And, um, here we are. So. I'm, I'm glad to, to, to talk about what you want to talk about. I appreciate the time, and I appreciate the uh, the uh, help with this, as it were. Let's let's start this first and foremost. Three and a half years, uh, you came on after the investigation had already gotten underway, I want to say by about nine months, but I don't remember the timing specifically in that sense. And I know you were kind of then thrown into the spotlight with that to some degree and buried with it. I know you didn't expect this to go a full three and a half years. What, but from your vantage point, why did it take so long? Well, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very complicated process, and you have really two routes to go down. You can go down a, a, a hearing. You know, you can, go and, you can go and appear in front of the Committee on Infractions, or you can go down a summary disposition, which is, is you know, for your listeners who don't live in compliance, like I happen to have to, um, that's basically coming to substantial agreement with all parties involved. Um, that was the route that we had tried to do from day one, and we ended up finishing. But, um, you know, when you, when you have um, allegations that mom well, now, you know, penalties that, that happened from 2011 to 2015, and it's 2019, and you have, you know, a new athletic director and me, who was not here, an athletic director that doesn't work for us anymore, and a coach and administration, and you know, you're going to cover a lot of details. And uh, you know, we thought we had done that several times. Um, and you know, you finish. What is fascinating to me is we came out two years ago and admitted to the problems, the things we did. Um, we've spent the last two years kind of getting to the bottom of how it happened and. You know how how the penalty should be handed out. I guess if you want to take it that, and um, you know, so it's a long process, and then you have to substantially agree, and that's that's hard to do when you have several people involved. So it was a long, long process, and in many ways, we're happy to kind of put that part behind us and talk about what's in the report, and then get on with the rest of you know Stevens Point Athletics. Sure, I can understand that to some degree, though. It felt like it. This is probably one of the longer cases in Division Three history. We certainly don't need to compare ourselves to Division One, but in Division Three, this seems very abnormal. And I understand that summary dispositions have to have have to run their course, and all parties have to sign off. And it feels like in this investigation, for for varying reasons, the parties grew. And 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 that's because again, you point out Nate D is now at another school, and he was involved. And obviously, other parties want to protect or, or represent themselves is probably a much better way of saying it does is that kind of part and parcel for why this dragged on and could it have been done sooner yeah you know the, the, the biggest challenge with this is that um, for pretty much the first so it's been going on for a little over three years i've been involved for two and a half um and for pretty much the first year and a half we did this without much if any input after the initial um, conversation 
with Darren Montgomery, who was the athletic director at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's a, that's a really hard uh, way to investigate something because when you're the chief compliance officer and athletic director, you do have a role in, um, in what happened, how it happened. Um, so it, was all, it always felt like we couldn't, if you, you know, if you're, if you're doing a 100-piece puzzle and you have about 75% of the pieces, well, then how do you fill in the puzzle? Mm-hmm. So there was you know, a lot of speculation, a little, well, did this happen, didn't this happen? And then, um, you know, when, when Darren, I guess, uh, and, I, and I don't know Darren, so, I, you know, I, I'm just going to speak factually. I, have no, I don't know the man at all. But sure. when, when, you know, getting to the bottom of Darren's side of the story when he doesn't work for our institution um, is a challenge. You know, I mean, Coach Semling works for us, and, and I can walk down his office and ask him questions, and, we'll, and um, you know, we can get to the bottom of that, but Aaron doesn't work for us. So, right. um, you know, we were always working through another party and trying to get to him, and it just was a long, long process. And then we we would agree, and then maybe he didn't agree to a certain piece, or he would agree and we didn't agree the way he recollected things. So. You know, it was a long process, and there was that triangulation between Coach Semling and the NCAA, uh, you know, the administration, Stevens Point, and then, and then to some degree, that fourth piece, which was Darren. And, and certainly, that makes it complicated, and I get that uh, very much so. Is I gathered from the press conference you held, um, losing track of time here, Tuesday, Mm-hmm. That there wasn't necessarily any surprises in the report, and 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 obviously in a summary disposition there really wouldn't be, but from an overall arcing situation, were you surprised by the infractions that were found? Well, you know, when I took the job, I started July eleventh, twenty sixteen. Um, I don't think anybody at this point thought it was going, you know, was going to get to this. Um, you know, there was this all started with an anonymous letter uh, that that it really all started because there were a group of students who wanted to use Quant Gymnasium because we don't have a rec facility, and um, you know, in uh, we have a group of basketball guys that would use the facility pre and post the, the season. You know, just like every team in America, kids want to get workouts in. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, it's just, it was the perfect storm. Athletics had transitioned to a new direct report, the vice chancellor of student affairs. It was his first opportunity to have intercollegiate athletics division three level. Um, you know, Stevens point at the time had an athletic director who came from division one. So, you know, the intricacies of division three bylaws are different, obviously than division one. Um, and, you, you know, there was this letter that ended up in, in uh, Indianapolis, and it was I read the letter. It was really very much, hey, we want to be able to use the gym for um, because it's busy all the time. You have baseball and softball and basketball and, you know, all these teams that use it, and then we'd like to play. And, by the way, I didn't think basketball could use the gym in pre- and post-season. Um so that's how it all started. I mean, it was just really a, a couple of lines of, you know, are they, <laughs> what are they doing? So with every with every anonymous tip that gets to Indianapolis, uh, they reach out to the institution and say, hey, can you investigate this? Can you see if there's any substantiation to this? 
So this is pre, you know, my arrival, and the institution uh, asked the director of HR to conduct a conduct a um, investigation. She did. Uh, she had completed that at the time. The former director of human resources, and um, that's about the time I started. And I was handed the what was the final report we did and handed to the NCAA. Um, and at that time, it was you know, a significant period of time in which Coach Semling was observing open gyms. And, um, you know, they asked me, you know, to take a look at the report, and it literally day two. Um, <laughs> you know, and after that time, 20 years in this business as a coach, 19 of them as a coach, um, and then nine years as an athletic director at a different institution, um, I, 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 you know, your gut sinks because that's a long period of time. And it wasn't. It was shortly thereafter the NCA decided to come and take a look at what was going on, and you know, found some other infractions. We've admitted to those infractions, and um, you know, we've moved on. So that's kind of how all of this started. Was um, you know, we did an internal investigation. Pam, the, the, the director of human resources. Um, this was kind of outside of her wheelhouse. You know, she's great with with human relation law. She knows she's a great human resource professional. But as everybody that knows in the legal world, NCA bylaws and human resource law are very different. Um, so I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, she did a great job. I'm just not sure she was very comfortable with this. And, well, and um, let me ask you this: Is that the right person to be doing a check into NCAA rules? 1A, you already have a compliance person on your staff, and B, they are outside the department and don't necessarily know NCAA bylaws. Well, you know, I think, I, well, I'm, I don't know. Chancellor Patterson um, was, was involved from, this, from the get-go, and I think so. I mean, in, our, in, in that particular case, um, I wasn't here. I don't know exactly why that decision was made, um, but she does, you know, she does handle all, as all HR directors do. They handle um, any sort of allegation, and because because it was so, uh, I think I, I think again I wasn't here, so this is my own hunch. It was more of a decision based on let's if something's happening, let's do it externally. You know, let's not have an internal. Um, you know, if we've got a mistake, we want to be able to find it, not kind of live incestuously, if you want to say that, like, well, we, we think this is right or whatever. Um, in retrospect, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it probably could have been handled a little differently, but um, I think at the time the institution made the decision that they thought was right, it was, you know, uh, at that point it was nobody had really thought it was maybe that big of a deal. It was just, hey, can you look into this? And okay. um, it obviously has turned out to be quite an ordeal. Yeah, Um you know, it, it, there's a lot of ways we can go here. Obviously, the the punishments are a public reprimand and censure and four years of probation, which we which is pretty standard operating procedure. There's a three year show cause order for the former athletics director. There's now a two year show cause order for Bob Semling, um, along with acknowledging of the 13 game suspension he had two seasons ago. Um, he has to attend. Uh, apparently, he's already attended the 2016 regional rules seminar. It seems like he might have to do more of that. Um, 
they obviously indicate there would have been more in place if the school had not acted like you had two years ago. Um, there is a probation basically on official visits for recruits, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, there's a delay of, of somewhat of practices, and we'll get to that in a bit. Are you, are you, how do we interpret these punishments? Is I guess the better way of asking that is this a fair, uh, and obviously from your vantage point, it's I'm going to realize this is a fair punishment, but could it have been worse? And, and were you worried it could have been worse? Well, um, you know, it, <laughs> when anything that's unknown, right, Dave, I mean, anything that's unknown and out of your control keeps you up at night. Um, and, you know, the one thing that I will say is that uh, everybody at, at UW-Stevens Point, uh, Coach Semling, the chancellor, uh, vice chancellor, everybody has been very transparent in this process. And the one thing that we've um, heard over and over and over from the NCAA folks, the investigative staff, and then also the Committee on Infractions. And if you read in, in you know, I catch this because I've been doing this for two and a half years, there's a, there's a piece in the, in the public uh, document about Stevens Point's willingness and uh, uh, ability to, to uh, collaborate and come forward. I think that's helpful in this kind of process, you know, in terms of how they adjudicate this and what the penalties are. We were truthful and transparent. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, was I worried about more? I think somewhere in me, you always worry about what does this mean? What, what could happen? Uh, you know, you're an athletic director and you do your very best to protect alumni. The, the thing that I didn't want to have ever have happen is that ultimately when you read through the, the um, situation, the student athletes were they, the, the student athletes didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, student athletes are just working out pre and post season. They're going through seasons. They're you know they're doing what student athletes should do, um, and that's the alumni who have who are amazing people who have done great things for Pointer Athletics. That was the current team, and then that's the future team. So I think the thing that worried me the most is please don't do anything that affects the student athletes. Sure. Um, you know, that's not fair to them. They didn't do this. They don't deserve this. Um, the team, you know, the 2016-17 team that we postseason banned, they didn't deserve that. But, you know, it was a, it was, you know, this, these were substantial uh, issues. So we, we did that to the 16-17 team, and that's, that's something that I'll have to live with for a long time. It's, you know, could we have made the postseason? I don't know. I mean, we probably weren't a full seed, but could we win the tournament? I, I don't know. We were playing pretty well at the end. Um, but you know, it, it, we, there had to have been retribution. Um, so we did, you know, you work somewhere. One of the reasons I took the job at Stevens point, not knowing of the NCA situation, I'm a basketball guy. I wasn't ready to give up being a basketball coach, but I had a role as an AD and a basketball coach. But, you know, when somebody offers you the job at UW Stevens point, you can work with Shirley Egner who had 600 wins and 300 in the league. Um, you know, Bob Semling, who's a four-time national champion, and you can be part of what Stevens Point is, a hot, great hockey program and all the things, you say yes, right? And, you know, it was a really tough day for me, and it was a really tough day for the program and for Coach six months into my tenure when we suspended him for 13 games. I mean, that's that's a pretty hefty pill to swallow is, hey, we're going to suspend you 13 games in postseason to ban your program uh, two years after a national championship, year and a half, I guess. Um, so we've had some pretty hefty, 
penalties, if you read the rest of them, those are not light. I mean, we have to go through an audit. We have to run probation. We have to inform recruits. We, you know, there's a lot of things that go with this. Yeah, you have um, to you have to inform recruits for the next four years that you have this probation and the violations you occurred, and you have to again no official visits. Though that's more about a bookkeeping thing. They can visit. Their just expenses are not covered. Um, right. Yeah. There's a there's a lot there. Twenty five hundred dollar fine as well, and. And, and and certainly some other things. I, I want to get to Bob and, and what the report says about him and what his status may or may not be. I'm going to quickly read from the report in case anybody hadn't. Specifically between the fall of 2011 and, 20, and the fall of 2015, the men's basketball coaching staff routinely observed and influenced and at times participated in sports-specific activities of men's basketball student-athletes that took place outside the institution's declared playing and practice seasons these impermissible sessions occurred five days a week over the course of approximately five weeks each fall and five weeks each spring. It continues that the staff also had spring semesters between March 12 and April 15. The men's basketball coaching staff impermissibly observed approximately 15 men's basketball prospects as they participated with men's basketball student-athletes uh, in a lot of the activities that were described above, and it, and it boils down to the wording that basically got a, what is it, um, it all added up to gain an extensive competitive and recruiting advantage because of the violations. And there's obviously other violations too. But, Brad, when I read that, that is pretty glaring. Five weeks of practices after the season and before the season, 15 student-athletes, which we kind of knew about two years ago, being, or I should say recruits, being evaluated in those practices, that's not something small. That's that's that jumps out at me, and I know some others too. That that feels galling to some degree. Yeah, you know, and and um, the 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 challenge we've had from the beginning of this is that um, you know, it, it, and it's it's fine. It's the way it's written. Um, athletically related activities in the NCAA are are wide ranging. So those go from practice to a film session to a team meeting or athletically related activities. Um, the reality of the pre and the post season, you know, that they're kind of encapsulating as practices, uh, it would be open gym. You know, if you've been to the Stevens Point gym, we have a balcony. Bob was standing on the balcony. Uh, he said that. He was observing open gym. He wasn't there, as the report says. He wasn't typically there from beginning to end. Uh, it's a very public place. There, we have several times, you know, that we have students that will stand there and watch whatever is down there. Uh, should he have been there? Absolutely not. You know, we, we violated that. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't here, so I don't know right. why, but I can speak for Coach Stemling, and he, be, he believed that the, the rule changes in 2011 um, kind of assisted in allowing him to do this. Uh, but, you know, in terms of running practice, I'm going to speak as a basketball coach. Practice has a practice plan. Practice has drills and outcomes, and and, and that wasn't. He was observing open gym. Well, but uh, but the report does go on to describe a lot of those um, drills, uh, generated work sh workout sheets of various drills to be completed and provided space for student athletes to record their performances. The coach may not be on hand, but the that sheet alone is essentially doing the same thing. And I don't know what he got confused in 2011. I've been around basketball in the colleges since the 90s. I know no coaches are allowed to be in a gym when a practice takes place. So what changed in 2011? And well, 
2011, we did change bylaws to allow it to be permissible for those that had facility oversight, um, safety oversight, intramural recreation, uh, offices that oversaw the gym. Um, all of those things were impermissible prior to the prior to January 2011. And I, I was at that convention at a different institution. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with that. But yeah, so so. Um, you know, again, I'm, I can't speak for Darren and Bob and what happened sure. and how that was communicated, but um, um, you know, that certainly it, it was observation of open gym, and that continued. We observed open gym. We observed open gym for when five years. Yeah, open gym. So that's that's what happened there. Yeah, it was well, and for five years too. I mean, I think that's what jumps out at me too. Is it wasn't just a a momentary lapse one year or maybe a second year. It was, it was five years of it. Um, what, so Bob has a show of cause for this, which I noticed you guys have until March 22nd to indicate to the, to the NCAA Committee of Infractions how you're going to abide by that should you feel you're going to keep Bob on staff. Uh, and we should point out a show of cause. We can talk about later how that all plays out. But um, what, what does that mean for his future at the university and as head coach of this team? Well, nothing, nothing that came out on Tuesday is, was new. Um, you know, there, there wasn't any, you know, in 2016, we knew what the, what the allegations and then violations were. Um, Tuesday was just the public report. Right. We've, known, we've known this stuff for a long time. You know, uh, the, Coach Semling from the first second I've been here, I can only speak for the last two and a half years. Coach Semling has been everywhere we've been, um, Coach Semling has admitted, you know, yes, I did this. Um, you know, we can all go into reasons and excuses, but he is, he, he did it. Um, he's been, he's been, um, you know, that, that's, so nothing on Tuesday was new. I guess that's probably the best way to put that. He does have a two-year show cause. I, I don't think anybody internally uh, didn't expect that was likely going to be the case. Um, and he, and he has it, but you know, the, his retribution is part of the show cause. He's got to attend ethics training, um, and he has to, uh, attend an, an additional regional rules. Um, he'll do those things. Um, you know, he, Bob is, uh, um, uh, you know, Bob understands what he did. He understands what he didn't, didn't do right. In the two, and it's odd, and I said this at the end of the, the public press conference on Tuesday. For me, what is really odd is that we're talking about a lack of compliance at an institution right now that is very compliant and has been since I've been here. Um, you know, so it just seems it, it seems odd to defend something that I go to work every day and I know what we're doing here now. Um, of course, we have violations. We have eight to ten violations every year of all across our sports. But we should. We have 600 athletes in 20 sports, and little things happen. They do, so we report them, and you know that's how that works. But um, you know, in my experience with Coach Semling, he has been very compliant um, in the two and a half years I've been here. So that's, you know, I don't know. It's hard because I wish I was here from 2011 to 2015 so I could talk about sure. what happened. I, I just don't yeah. know. And, and and we hope we hear from Bob Semling. We can talk about that in a moment in a later date. But let me ask you another thing. You talked in that press conference, too, and you indicated or hinted at it here that Bob has been forthright at 
um, knowing and owning up to the mistakes, except that I've got a few quotes in, in, in the years that I don't think necessarily agree with that. First off, in a report from 2016, he says, when you looked at it carefully like an audit, they do find things that you weren't aware of. He goes on to say in an interview that he scheduled Jim's use for the team and didn't attend the uh, did attend the workouts, but he denied he was instructing or coaching during practices. Yet the report indicates he was. You said it was open gyms, but if you're booking the gym, it's not an open gym. And then there's another one. He also added that he believes the severity of the infractions has been overblown. I get to some point, also having had conversations and, and aware of other conversations. That I don't know how, what point did Bob fully come on board that he had really committed these infractions? Because it feels like in the last few years that hasn't always been maybe necessarily the true case. That he admitted there were a couple, but he felt others were, were absolutely nothing or he didn't do. Well, I think as this developed, I mean, first of all, let me, let me just make sure we're, we're, we're clear in terms of why. Um, you know, at, at UW Stevens Point, because we don't have a recreation facility, one of the mistakes that Stevens Point made at that time, Stevens Point basketball made at that time, was uh, when the guys wanted to use the facility pre and post practice or pre and post play in the practice season, they were going to Coach Semling. Coach Semling was then scheduling the facility. Right. Um, you know, hey, can, can we get in here at three o'clock on a Monday? Um, and had the student athletes went directly to the facility coordinator, like all the rest of our students have to do, it would have been permissible. The problem was, is they were going to their coach and then their coach was then scheduling the facility. Is that considered an open gym? I mean, my college days, I don't remember. Maybe we did book it. And, and I agree. I'll admit I didn't, I wasn't part of making sure the gym was ready for us in, 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 in practices and stuff, but is it considered open gym if a team goes and, and reserves it? Well, you have you have to at Stevens Point. You have to schedule a gym for the type of activity. So, okay, um, you know we have club teams and intramural right. teams. We have general teams. So, you know there'll be times where we have football guys throwing footballs or baseball. You know, there's just not a very big. You know, it's it's a fine basketball facility, but it's not that big. So, um, any general student, if you know, if I was a student there and said, "Hey, I'd really like to you know have a kickball tournament," I have to go to the facility manager and say, "I'd like." quant gymnasium from this time to this time and i'd like to play kickball um you know because you can't it's, it's not conducive to have three or four different types of activities so um yeah it's it, you know in in essence in, a, in our world that is an open gym um you know we're gonna have a basketball for, you know we're gonna have basketball in here from this time to this time okay. so yeah i mean it is, certainly wasn't practice i mean they're they're practicing you know, I practice today. I know what practice looks like. It's, you know, it's, it's open gym, but um, we, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make anything, you know, this doesn't, we're not trying to downplay what, what happened. We were observing these activities and that was an advantage. And, um, you know, we said that. Uh, I think as this went on, I think it, you know, you to, to, to answer your question, um, I, 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 <laughs> you know, I, I think everybody, Bob and, 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 and everybody, um, started to understand the magnitude of what we were facing, you know, what was what had happened. And um, so I think we all kind of, you know, when I, when I came, I'm just, I mean, this is public, this isn't, when I came, this was a secondary infraction 
the reduction of three practices in a public letter. Um, you know, and I uh, coming in from the outside was a unique perspective, uh, you know, but I think, you know, at that point, there probably was some feeling of, you know, what are we talking about here, you guys? I got three practices in a letter. And, you know, over the last course of the last two and a half years, obviously that has escalated. So sure. I think he grew with that and as well as all as we all did. I'm going to have to let you go, but I don't I don't want to leave you without asking this question. What would you recommend other Division three athletic departments do in order to avoid these kinds of mistakes? Well, Dave, honestly, I mean, this is, you know, after 12 years of of being an athletic director, um, they shouldn't have happened. I, they would, I mean, I, I don't, this isn't, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to say this to Darren. I don't know him. If he's listening, I, I, I don't know the circumstances you were under. I can tell you under my watch of 12 years, these are some, these are stupid mistakes. These are mistakes that should not have happened period. Um, they're fundamental to division three. You know, we all know them. We, we all try to abide by them. Um, and, and at that point in time, Stevens Point was not, and we're paying a heavy price for that. So I don't think there's an athletic director out there um, that would be allowing these things to happen today. You know, and, I, and if anything comes out of this, I hope we can help. First of all, we're, gonna, we're better, we're stronger, we're, you know, we're in a, in a stronger space today than we were then, and, and I'm proud of that in my, under my leadership, but that's, that's okay. We're going to have an external audit. That's even better. Please come in and help us in any way we can. But I hope, if anything, the Stevens Point case continues to be a place for people to educate. I'm willing to talk about it, uh, ways to do it. The, the one advice I would give to all athletic, direct, uh, athletic departments, be transparent, uh, be willing to challenge each other, be willing to, to talk about it, but then also have a report. Uh, this was also a problem at, 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 at Stevens Point at the time, that I share with my staff all the time. If you think you see something and I'm not doing anything about it, go above me. Go straight to my, my boss, the vice chancellor or the chancellor. Go there. Um, don't let things persist because, you know, bad things happen the longer they, they go on. And sure. if you don't think I'm doing my job, go there. And I would share that with every athletic director. Um, you know, don't, don't be so <laughs> boxed in that, that, you know, problems happen for too long. Sure. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, talk extensively with this, but I also appreciate the fact that you weren't there when this took place. But I've appreciated your time two years ago. appreciate your time now, and, and thank you for that. As always, we give uh, the guests the final word. Any final thoughts to those tuned in? Well, you know, I, 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 I'm, I thank you, Dave. Uh, you know, you've been fair to us uh, here, uh, you know, in this, in this time. I, I will say that I, I am so proud of our student-athletes. You know, you have to remember – that these are kids, and and the, the the freshmen in 2011 were in middle school, you know, or sixth grade. I mean, some of the stuff was happening before they were even in high school. Um, it's a long time ago, and it's it, it it's tough on them. You know, they don't understand why are we? What do we have to deal with? And those seniors, I had to look the face in the face in 2016-17 and say we're going to postseason ban and watch those kids cry in front of me. Uh, you know, they're wondering, well, what did we do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. You did everything right. Matter of fact, our men in our men's basketball program and all of our programs are, are great kids. And, and um, you know, the, the thing that came out of this that I'm the happiest about is that, yes, we're on probation, and, yes, we have things to move forward with, but 
the student-athletes then, now, and moving forward aren't going to take the wrath of this, and that's fair. They didn't do this. If the student-athletes did something, they should. Um, so I'm proud to be a pointer. Stevens Point Athletics will be stronger and continues to be. And, um, you know, we have 20 programs with great kids and great coaches, and uh, I hope this doesn't define Stevens Point. It shouldn't. Um, you know, the, the, the kids in the, that work so hard every day in all of our sports don't deserve to be defined anyway, but champions on and off the courts and fields. And, um, you know, I'll continue to be proud to be a pointer. Well, I appreciate the time again, Brad. Thanks for the conversation and the, and the frankness and the candor. I uh, look forward to staying in touch with you. Uh, obviously, probably not about this topic it, as long as we believe it's over. As obviously the case is closed. Yeah. And, it better uh, be. <laughs> it better, right, exactly. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you about other topics at another time. Great. Well, thanks, Dave, and thanks to all your listeners. Well, thank you, sir. Take care. Take he is care. Brad Duckworth, the Stevens Point Athletics Director. Uh, we will make a point. We did reach out to talk with Bob Semling about this case. Uh, he declined to be on the show at this time. We will point out that we have had conversations about having Bob on this program. Um, assurances were made, and when the investigation was over, we will continue to make efforts to have Bob on this program to get his take on things at later time. We hope uh, we uh, we hope it, the advantage and the opportunity is uh, taken to be here and answer questions and be done with it to some degree. When we come back, we're a little bit behind time, but we will still get going. Pat Coleman will join me to talk about how this all played out and what the ramifications are. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with more after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this special extended edition. We're slightly behind schedule, but we do have a full slate of what would have been a normal Thursday show to come here. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email me, dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook, YouTube, etc., where there are conversations going on. Um, and one person, for example, saying there is absolutely uh, – how does it give – them and a competitive advantage with these extra practices it doesn't a practice in september doesn't help you win in february well with on that note joining us now is managing editor of d3hoops.com on the blue frame technology hoopsville hotline and pat i would argue it absolutely can give a team an advantage and not only that it's the darn rules and you don't do it Right. I mean, as as much of it is the principle, right, as it does, I think it does provide a competitive advantage. You get to start camp five weeks earlier, regardless of how much time, you know, Bob or any of his at the time assistant coaches might have spent actively helping or not in those uh, in those regards. I mean, that is that is something that has an impact. Uh, you, you have, you know, just three weeks or so of uh, preseason practice to uh, to work with or, you know, maybe a little bit longer, depending on which conference you're in. But uh, otherwise, you know, to extend that out and then to do that year after year after year, these guys also get a chance to get the new guys integrated into the flow of the offense, teach them the playbook. You know, you get to do that in open gym in Division three in general. But uh, if you have actual observation by coaches you have notes from coaches you have some interaction and that's what it sounds like from reading the report um then that's uh that's that's a competitive advantage and again it's five it's five weeks in the fall and five weeks in the spring for five years if it were a whole you know uh, 25 times each of those sessions uh times two sessions times five years that's 100 practices yeah well and and as i said on the chat board you also are now better prepared at the beginning of the season to not take a loss necessarily. Those could help you get into a better position in the NCAA tournament selection, can get you in a better position on the bracket, can get you in a better position to host games. Yeah. There's a lot of small ramifications that we talk about games in November counting as much as February. One, two losses in November can keep a team out of a tournament and can keep them from hosting. Yeah, right. Oh, no, exactly. Uh, right. Especially when hosting, sometimes the uh, the margin of error for being a, a first weekend host is, is pretty narrow, right? It, it's uh, yeah. There's only two of those per region. There's only 16 of those nationally. There might not be two per region, but there probably are in any given year. And if you slip from two to four because you lost to... I don't know, St. Olaf, I'm pulling a name out of the hat because I'm not sure Point played Olaf. But if you lose to them in November uh, and then you lose to St. Thomas on December 15th or something like that, and then you go, you know, uh, at the like, at the time, 12 and 4 in the WIAC, uh, you know, these days in the smaller WIAC, maybe it's 11 and 3, you know, then you're not looking at 25 and 3, you're looking at uh, 23 and 6 or something like that. I know your people are going to nitpick my math, but you get the point. There's a there's a fine line between being the team that's going to be in line to host the first weekend and then, you know, the second weekend for that matter if you advance. And Stevens Point is the kind of program that wants to be a second weekend host. They have, you know, they've won four national championships uh, since 2004. They uh, and they've hosted a lot of those uh, games. They want to be in that position. Couple quick questions. One of the questions was, "Was this taking place before 2011?" I think there's two answers to that. The investigation into this cause says no. There was a new AD who was brought in. You do wonder if, and I'm speculating, folks. I don't know this for sure, but you wonder if Bob tried to take advantage 
of that opportunity with a new AD to maybe do that. But let's also go back into Bob's history. He was on Jack Bennett's staff as an assistant coach when they got nailed for almost, I, I can't say identical, because I don't know this, I can't remember all the circumstances there, but it was illegal practices then. He yeah. should have known better. Right. I think and I think that's fair. And it would be nice to have him here to ask him that question. Right. That's the question that uh, that I think is a big one that people would like to have an answer to. Um, and I think that you know, I hope that uh, at some point we do get a chance to have him, uh, you know, field that question. You know, I feel like and I, I am not this is not to characterize Bob. OK, this is to characterize um, you know, uh, Coach Bennett, who was amazing, of course, in the Bennett family, amazing coaches. But when this first broke, you know, a couple of years ago, Jack Bennett uh, came out and, you know, said basically the basically said that this was not a big deal. The rules are a big deal. Everybody should read the rules and read the bylaws annually. If you're a full time head coach, you have the opportunity and I think the responsibility to just sit down take a look at the bylaws, remind yourself on a yearly basis that these are what the rules are and, you know, and, and you should be in compliance. If Bob has such a great history of compliance now in the, uh, in the Brad Duckworth era, it would be nice, you know, if, uh, if that had extended backwards, we, you know, and again, I'm not trying to characterize Bob. I just know that there are things that are on the record about the Stevens Point basketball program in the past. But as you point out, Dave, at times while Semling was on staff. Yeah, which I, I think makes this harder. I've talked to a handful of ADs or former ADs. The emotions of this run the gamut. There's one former AD who is fit to be tied about this okay. case. There's yeah. other ADs who, as you start talking with them more, you start peeling off the layer and realizing they're as confused. There's a lot, there's a number who are conf wondering or really saying they don't understand how Bob will be able to keep his job strictly, not because of show a cause, but because those are violations are so glaring that you don't know if he's not going to do it again. And you don't know. I mean, you, you've rubbed Stevens points name through it. That said hints, at least at now from Duckworth and others, that's not necessarily on the table. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? You know, the thing is, is that, uh, coincidentally or not, because the deadline for Stevens Point to kind of make a declaration as to how they're going to deal with this uh, is conveniently after the Division Three basketball season is complete. It helps to negotiate. Well, I got maybe, and who knows? We have no idea, right? What right. the uh, what the standard for this is because it happens very, very rarely in Division Three, and in most cases, I think in every case that was cited in the NCAA report, these are schools that went on to let that coach go, but True. none of those coaches was Bob Semling. None of those coaches had won two national championships sure. for their institution. Uh, Mockley Joseph at Baruch, you know, was great for them, but, you know, he, uh, oh wait, he stole money from the institution. Michelle Sharp at Kane at a show cause as the women's basketball coach. She uh, participated in defrauding the institution academically. Bob did neither of these things, True. right? So, True. you know, it is purely an athletic thing. I could see that if there's somebody uh, on that list that uh, you'd want to keep, you'd want to keep Bob Semling. And so, you know, the question is, what is the burden really for an athletic department to be able to do this? Neither you or I really know. We understand it's probably pretty extensive, but, you know, maybe they really want to keep Bob Semling. And, and in all honesty, I it's hard to do better than Bob Semling right now. Uh, just, you know, X's and O's and wins and losses. Agreed and with you. 
and Absolutely. those sorts of things. So I would think, you know, they would probably try to keep him as long as they possibly could. Uh, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not totally surprised by that. I initially thought that, yeah, show cause means basically you're done, um, but not quite, I guess. It's up to the chancellor ultimately. And, and it's up to the chancellor who's had some bad news in the last year or so with that school in general. Like in terms of having to cut the academic programs and that Absolutely. sort of thing. Absolutely. They've they been got, taking a lot they of got, they got great news today in getting a, a big donation from uh, D3Baseball.com Player of the Year, Jordan Zimmerman. Oh, I thought and you were going to stop at D3Baseball.com. <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh, of course, uh, Jordan Zimmerman went on to be a, uh, a star pitcher for the, uh, for the Nationals and now for the Detroit Tigers. Gave a, a $500,000 donation to his alma mater. So at least there's some good news. But, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of... You know, Stevens Point, uh, the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point is in the news a lot. Yeah. They cut some majors that uh, were less popular, but were kind of staples of the liberal arts college experience. And, uh, you know, that caused uh, a lot of questions as to what the, the role is of a, of a college in this day and age. And, you know, that's something that a lot of schools are going to have to deal with, not just large schools, small schools. We saw it happen at Iowa Wesleyan University, which is like one of the smallest institutions in Division Three. made a very similar decision a few years ago. And as you and I I know a couple of schools have closed and are closing that have been uh, in Division Three or near Division Three in the past. Uh, my alma mater just went through it myself. Um, yeah, I support their decision, but it's amazing how people don't see it. Um, so, uh, the ultimate question here is, outside of whether Bob's going to have a job in the future, and, and we're not going to be able to answer that. How did this report have enough teeth, in your opinion? And is it enough to say to other coaches, and, and I'll be blunt now, I have heard rumor and have been told of coaches who may be doing similar things. Nothing I can report, nothing I can even call the NCAA about. It's not my or place. Who, or who may have done in the past, right? Yes, that too. <laughs> uh, I wasn't doing that deep, but yeah, that deep. Pretty deep. But there's ones I've been told doing this now, and there are coaches who are ticked that any coach would think about this because they're playing by the rules. And, and I don't want anybody to think that, that these are things that we can bend and break. There are coaches who believe by this. Does this have enough teeth to it? Does this have enough to it to tell these coaches? Don't you dare. That's a really good question, Dave. I had not really thought about this until you uh, started to raise the question. Um, I think if I read that report, I definitely think, I think twice if I'm someone who's, committing some sort of violations or thinking about committing violations along those lines. Um, you know, a show cause if you're at, um, you know, keep if, you from moving up. Well, that's, that's certainly for sure. And if you're at a really small school, like someone who's got, you know, 700 or 800, uh, you know, full-time undergrads and you have a very bare bones athletic department, there's no way they're going to be able to, uh, to, to withstand the burden of all the paperwork and stuff that it's going to take and the money you're going to have to spend for the training and the rules seminars and stuff like that to keep your butt on the, uh, on the bench, on the sidelines and in the yeah. coach's office. Uh, even if you are the Bob Semling of, Again, I don't want to name a school at this point, right? The Bob Semling of Mount Ida. Let's say that. Okay, they're say close. That? Let's say. Because they're close, it's okay. But <laughs> my point being, right, is, uh, you know, uh, Bob can survive because of, uh, of because I think of, of his position. If you're at a, a smaller school in a smaller athletic department, there's no way you survive something like this. But I think uh, uh, kind of tangentially related to this, David, is uh, this is a spot where 
you know, division three schools go wrong all the time. Uh, and it's, you know, we go back to going back to what, uh, Brad Duckworth was talking about in that, the fact that the initial, um, investigation into this was done by someone in HR. There are so many people within division three schools that do not understand what the NCA rules are and where things touch the NCAA rules. You know, we see it, uh, we see it fairly often, Dave, of course, in the awarding of financial aid packages, right? Schools don't understand that you cannot give a, uh, a leadership scholarship that involves athletic ability to someone who's going to be a student athlete. You just cannot do that at the division three level, but every, every time there, there's some financial aid office that does not understand this. And there are other division three rules like this. This is another great example. It's not about scheduling the quote unquote open gym. It's about the fact that there are NCA bylaws and you know, rules about playing in practice seasons that have to be abided by. Yeah. And, you know, that that touches all sorts of things. It is not just self-contained within the athletic department. It is all over the place. And schools need to be very, very cognizant of this. I, I am disturbed by the fact that especially because of the last few years in cases like Baruch, Thomas Moore, Stevens Point, I know the bylaws and rules and regs better than some schools and coaches do. And, and I'm not yeah. trying to say that I'm somehow better, but I've had to dive in because yeah. I need to know it. I right. don't want to be diving in. You and I do not want to be ta having this conversation. You and I do not sure. want to be making these reports. We don't live for these days, as one person quoted me, said, oh, you must be living for this. In, in a breaking news world, in my life as a, as a former TV yeah. producer, sure. But as, a, as someone who, who, who loves Division Three and wants it in the spotlight, this is not something I want to be spending my time on. And the fact I've been having to dive into the bylaws and there are people out there who don't know a quarter of them is shocking. Yeah, I mean, coaches really need to kind of take it on themselves to go and do this. And that's, that's their responsibility. Yeah, I think it is. And that's what I was getting back to earlier uh, when I was talking about this earlier to get back to that. You know, obviously, everybody has a uh, compliance officer in their athletic department who is primarily responsible for that. But they are responsible for the big picture. You, the coaches. I'm looking at you. I'm going to look right into the camera there now and say, you, well you yeah, there you go. You coaches are responsible for doing this stuff. You've got to know your stuff. And, uh, and I got to be honest with you and assistant coaches have to know this too. It's not just the head coach. And even if you're an assistant coach who unfortunately, you know, is part-time and might only get paid $10,000 a year or something like that. This is a burden on you to learn and know this stuff, but you have to know this. You got to know the rules. Thomas Moore case started with an assistant coach asking a question. Yeah. Um, and I'll say this, at least I, Assistant coaches don't tend to get dinged. Coaching right. staffs take the ding, or the head coach takes the ding for them. But right. you're right. And the other thing we've learned from the Thomas More case, and we've learned from this, pick up the phone and call the NCAA. They will answer your questions about compliance. Last thing about compliance, and you know yeah. I've, I've been a little bit on this bandwagon. It, it is a tough nut to sell in Division Three that you dictate how they staff and what they spend money on. right? But they did this with athletic trainers, and I feel they need to do this in this department and others, but this one in particular. Compliance officers have got to be full-time individuals who have no other responsibilities. Fair? Boy, it sure seems like it. I think it's fair. Uh, again, you know, it's, it is going to be a burden on a smaller athletic department. It should right. not be a burden on the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point with no. its you know, six to 8,000 full-time undergraduate uh, students and that, and that large population. Um, that maybe that would be, and now I could name a school, right? If you're at Blackburn or something there like that, go. that's going to be, that's going to be difficult to do uh, if yeah, you're at Covenant I College or something that. like that. But I, you, yeah. 
someone's got to know that like at the division two level, uh, there's much more rules about staffing. Like yes. it, they, uh, you cannot be the athletic director and also be a coach at nope. the division two level. You have to be a full-time athletic director. That's not the case at division three, although it's very rare now these days that someone is also a coach and the athletic director. I, I think it's fair to have, man, it's, it, you know, obviously not knowing what the staffing is like in this position in, in all 450 schools uh, makes it a little hard to speak to it. But I think that there's probably a case to be made for it. If nothing else, from the institution standpoint, you want to protect yourself. You want to yes. cover you want to cover your ass. Yes. Let's be honest. Yes. You got to you got to cover your ass and and make sure that you have that uh, compliance person who is proactive, knows the stuff and is not uh, is not afraid to challenge coaches. And then coaches have to also be proactive, too. Great. I got lots of great things still ahead of the show, so I got to cut bait and go. But as uh, your final thoughts on on this whole thing, um, I the the funniest, the best thing I've I've heard today, Dave, is uh, you talking about the open gym that's not really open. So I just wanted to uh, I wanted to repeat that. That was uh, that was pretty cool. I jotted that down here on my uh, here on my <laughs> notes from the Brad Duckworth conversation. And again, kudos to Brad Duckworth for joining us. Yes. Bob Semling, the uh, the phone lines open. It is open whenever he would like to join us, even in – we're planning on doing – kind of like football, uh, monthly podcasts in the offseason. We'll talk then if we have to. I hate to be it that far down the road, but we'll talk then. Pat, thank you so much. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. You bet, Dave. Have a good rest of the show. Thank you. Pat Coleman joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Skype hotline. Got to take another break, get going. We're well behind, but we want to catch up. We've got a great little story coming up. WBCA uh, Center Court, usually about head coaches. Next one up about an assistant coach, how her peers think she's worth profiling. We're going down to Lynchburg when we come back. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. Cheer for the stumbles. 
that he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Helps to have the microphone open. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, as we now get into our normally scheduled programming, though a little bit late. So we're going to try and tighten up our segments a little bit here as we talk to a number of great guests throughout the show here. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. Yeah, it's not our Hoopsville one. Uh, just some issues there. We're going to try and get that resolved soon and get back to it. You can also join us on Facebook and YouTube. Buddy of mine is on Facebook, says he'd give me $5 if I squawk online. It, it, Charlie, I, you're, I'm not going to get the money from you, so I'm not doing it. Um, uh, just talked about the Stevens Point case. We can certainly talk more about that and regional rankings down the road. To help us shift gears from Stevens Point to our regular show, we decided to feature the WBCA Center Court segment about when we would normally feature it in a normal show, but it allows us to maybe have a little bit of a change of gear, have a, a little bit of a cleanse of the palate, as it were. So we're going to talk WBCA now. And one of the great um, things that the WBCA and the NABC has is a chance to recognize younger coaches. You could argue it's a way of prodding them and saying, hey, stay with it. We think you're great. Uh, but it's also a great way of encouraging coaches to get or people who are interested to get into coaching and get with good programs and be recognized for what they're doing. In a bit of a change here, we're talking assistant coach in this case. For Lynchburg, it's Lauren Hayden, who got recognized for the uh, best 30 under 30, as it were. It must be nice to be under 30 uh, in your life. But she's been recognized for the work she's doing as an assistant coach with possibly the potential of being a head coach. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline on Skype, it is Lauren Hayden from Lynchburg. And Lauren, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. Oh, I appreciate it. This is awesome. Uh, I'll freely admit it was funny when the when the when the uh, suggestion first came in. I went, "Oh yeah, we should talk to Lynchburg." Not really thinking. I get on there, I make the invitation, and I realize I'm inviting the wrong person. The person we're supposed to be talking to is not the head coach. It's you. And when I kind of admitted that mistake to everybody, your head coach went, "Absolutely, that's a no-brainer." Does does that mean a lot that you not only are recognized by the WBCA, your own coach and others think you're you're that special? Oh, my gosh, it's unbelievable. And honestly, I'm so blessed to work for Coach Pazic Smith um, uh, to start my career off. She's really been such a good mentor to me and taught me so much in the three or two and a half, three years that I've worked for her. Um, and we have such a great relationship to both on the court and off the court. So um, I was with her when we got the email and she was like, wait, I think this is supposed to be for you. And we kind of chuckled back and forth, but she's just an awesome person to be around every day. Um, and I really feel like I'm learning from the best here. So, well, it, it's interesting. We'll get to a little bit about what you were doing at Lynchburg, but let's back up. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's, figure out how we got here as it were can you give everybody a sense of getting into college what you were doing where you were and and where your basketball bug was at the time 
Yeah, so um, coming out of high school in the Northern Virginia area, I wasn't super heavily recruited. I had some looks at some Virginia schools, some Ohio schools. Um, I always told my parents, like, I want to go north or south or get out of Virginia and just experience something new. And um, we played an AU tournament in New Jersey, and the assistant coach for the University of New England, Mary Lynn Skarzynski, who's at um, Nichols College now, uh, saw me play and she just took a chance on me and the head coach at uh, UNE, Anthony Ewing, um, invited me up to campus and I was like, well, I've never been to Maine before. I might as well go check this school out. And I just fell in love and spent my four years there, had a phenomenal career with some amazing teammates, some amazing coaches. Um, my assistant coach my senior year is now at Washington and Lee, so we have a little rival going on in the ODAC down here. Um, and that's how I got my start into coaching was just talking with uh, Coach Ewing and just saying, like, hey, I kind of want to move forward. I had some friends through the SO program, and he just encouraged me to apply, and that's how I got my start. So, right, but, but is it all it's been cracked up to be? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, Maine. I know Maine well. That's that that's a good place to kind of uh, kind of gnash your teeth at it, as it were. Some good players up there, especially when it comes to recruiting. Obviously, you're back down into Virginia now. Mm -hmm. I assume the draw to come back to Virginia was somewhat um, personal in nature, but what drew you to Lynchburg? Um, actually, this is a really funny story. So at the So You Want to Be a Coach program, um, I was a little shy going into it, and I was like, you know, just talk to as many people as you can. Just make some friends. break a girl in the hallway with a Lynchburg backpack on and I played with a kid in high school who went to Lynchburg. So I was like, Hey, like, do you know, um, Chaney, who's an a thousand point scorer here at Lynchburg, helped them win their first ODAC championship. And, um, Sammy Goldsmith at the time was like, yeah, we're roommates. And we just got to talking. Um, she ended up taking the graduate assistant job at Virginia tech and had a really awesome opportunity there. And when she took that job, she reached out to me and was like, if you haven't found a job yet, Lynchburg's the place for you. Like, you need to come interview. Um, Coach Pazic invited me down to campus two days after my college graduation, and the rest is kind of history. I, I decided within that week that this is gonna where I was going to be spending my time for at least the next two years and then for a third, too. So I was going to say, uh, it, I'm not that surprised that it happened that quickly after graduation. <laughs> uh, that's kind of how they get a hold of you. Yeah, uh, obviously recognized by your peers as is one of the best 30 coaches under the age of 30. It's certainly an honor because they they that somebody sees something in you. What did it mean to you to get that honor? Honestly, I was surprised just because every day like I don't do anything for any awards. I just do it because I love the game and I love helping young women um flourish both on and off the court and it meant it really did mean a lot to me um, to be recognized in that way. And amongst so many other amazing coaches, too, um, standing on the floor with the Mississippi State assistant at the time and some other big time Division One coaches. It was a really cool experience to be able to accept that award with them. That is pretty cool. What's the future? Where, where, where do you see yourself in your career headed, hopefully? You know, I wish I had a crystal ball to be able to tell me that, but Come on. Um, hopefully staying in the game somewhere and just continuing to grow the sport that we all love and we're all so passionate about. So the future is open for me and I'm excited to take the opportunities as they come. What's your what's your um, coaching style, as it were? What, how would you describe your coaching style? Um, 
I think I'm intense. Like my players know exactly what like uh-huh. I want from them. But as long as they're working hard and they're um like going as hard as they can every day and giving a hundred percent of what they have, we're gonna have fun too. And I try to bring some humor to the uh, court too, just to lighten things up a little bit and make sure they're having a good time. So. Um, yeah, I can see that a little bit. There was a picture sent to us that definitely had you, uh, laughing it up on the sideline with your, with your, with your team. And he seemed to have some of the coaching staff with you kind of cracking up as well. When, what do you expect from this program this year? You know, you guys are, are having a pretty decent year in what has become a crazy ODAC race on the women's side. The last couple of years, the ODAC has become very competitive you're yeah. sitting in a tie for fourth right now behind with Randolph Macon behind WNL, Emory and Henry and Guilford. Mm-hmm. Obviously a lot of teams make the conference tournament. We're not worried about that necessarily, but what where is the uh ceiling as it were for the Hornets this year? Honestly, we're our future is so bright um here in Lynchburg right now and you see our record and we're 12 and 10, but we are probably the best 12 and 10 team in the country. Honestly, like our kids work hard every day. They're young. They have a lot of potential. We hit some adversity early and that's really um, helped us grow and have a really strong January. Um, We're tied for fourth, but we've beaten two out of the top four teams ahead of us. So um, we're excited to go into February. You know, we got one win. Our goal is to just take it one game at a time. Um, get that by in the first round for the conference tournament and then just move on to Salem and be able to take that experience in and just see where this team can go. Um, Like I said, they work hard every day and they really are a special group and I can't wait for everyone else to be able to witness what we witness every day in practice. Virginia Weston's like, hey, we're 12 and 10. Um, We're we're pretty darn good too. We beat Lynchburg. They are very good. The ODAC is just a crazy group. Um, you just, any given night you walk in and you, anyone can be anyone, which makes it a really cool conference. Um, yeah. the ODAC women, the ODAC's <laughs> women's race has come a long way. Yeah. Hey, uh, Lauren, I really appreciate the time you took to join us. Thank you so much. Uh, especially with us being a little bit late here tonight. Um, we always have a tradition on this show that we give the guests the final word. Is there any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Oh, I just want to say thank you so much for having me and everything you do for us um, over there at D3 Hoops. It's awesome to follow along with you guys every day. So thank you. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the season. Don't let uh, Coach Pizek drive you crazy. Uh, She never drives me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck the rest. Uh, Enjoy the, the road through Salem Civic Center, and we'll look forward to talking to you somewhere down the road, maybe with your own program. Thank you, Dave. All right, Lauren Hayden joining us here on the um, WBCA Center Court. I want to thank our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association for uh, not only being a partner of the show, but giving us great segments like we just had with Lauren. We'll have another one next Thursday. Take another break. When we come back, where are we headed? I literally have forgotten. Oh, it's right in front of me. It's okay. I can read. Uh, we'll stay with women's basketball. We'll head out to Transylvania. Head coach Julie Folks talks about her 21st-ranked squad and why they have quietly entered the national race. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoops Hope after this. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I used to 
never really talk. Ever.、Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum; it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, "Hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference." Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball, or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to Hoopsville. I'm Karen Harvey, head basketball coach at Montclair State University and a member of the WBCA. Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave at the WBCA Center Court. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this Thursday evening, an extended show. A reminder: we will be going、um, for an extra hour tonight, thanks to our coverage about Stevens Point. Aram,、uh, just so you know, we just received、um, a short time ago an actual statement from Bob Semling. We will read that statement、um, a little bit later from him. And、uh, recap it as at the end of the show when we get a little bit of time to do that. All interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology. Their industry-leading production truck software is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget. Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help you to help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting blueframetech.com. That's www.blueframetech.com. And if you do talk to Blue Frame Technology about production truck or about streaming partners or whatever, tell them you heard about them here on Hoopsville or from myself, Dave McHugh. All right, so let's switch gears and let's talk.、Uh, we'll continue talking women's basketball, I should say. One of the teams that has kind of surged into the national conversation is Transylvania. They're sitting on two losses. They all happened before December fifteenth. Uh, the loss to Rose Holman in conference play on December eighth, that game on the road, and a loss to Johns Hopkins at a tournament at Mary Washington, that took place November sixteenth. So since December eighth, the team is undefeated. Not too bad when you started the season five and two, and now won fifteen straight. You're fourteen and one in conference play, and now you are in the national rankings as you're into the top twenty-five as well. Gets a pretty good reason for us to maybe have you on the show. Just how good is Transylvania? Would be the question. Joining us on the city of San, or sorry, the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of the Pioneers. It is Julie Folks. Coach, thanks for taking the time. 
Hey, good evening, Dave. Thanks for having me tonight. Absolutely appreciate it as well. Um, 15 straight. Eh, not too shabby, uh, I think. <laughs> I, I think I think that covers the bases to some degree. Uh, yeah, you know, it has been a really exciting ride. We started this year knowing that we've had a lot of talent, and we have been just on the cusp the last couple of years and, and had some setbacks and knew that we had some really big games on the schedule. And, uh, you know, it, I think it took us a little while to find our groove and how we were going to be different than last year. But we have some upperclassmen that have had a lot of experience and that they have themselves rolling right now. When you look at what you've faced, you had an interesting start to the season. And what I find interesting is you actually came out of that pretty well. Johns Hopkins, tough team, and, and you lost yeah. to them, but it was a close game. Rose Holman, I mean, it's a conference battle, and and all games against you guys have been good in the recent years, and you avenged that loss. We should point out as well. You also had a two overtime win against Emory. You, I would argue that non conference was maybe better than people expected it to be, though. Granted, mixed in with some results like against William Peace. Yeah, well, when we went into it, um, yeah, we knew that we had a chance to get Trine in our tournament. We we thought. You know, we had a chance to get Emory, and our, our women were excited. They were nationally ranked games. Teams have just, you know, been powerhouses, and, you know, we've been, I think, in the non-conference last year, we got a couple of teams that had won their leagues, and so our players had a lot of confidence, and we like playing at home. We shoot pretty well at home, and so when we got to, you know, play Emory and Trine in those tournaments, I thought we came into those games in a really good mental place, uh, the game started well. You know, we jumped on trying pretty early, and by the third quarter, had built a pretty significant lead. and And I think the players believe in the system. We are we're trying to play really smart basketball that's kind of based on the numbers and and where we're shooting from and how we're defending. And to their credit, they've they've bought into everything we're doing, and we have outstanding senior leadership. I can't I can't say enough about our seniors and everything they've been through. They're they're driving this bus and really pushing every day. Well, you're running out of time because you got three games left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are. We, we need. We need to finish out strong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, two at home and then one on the road. You'll play Defiance here Saturday, then on the road or at home for Wednesday against Franklin, then on the road to finish things up on, on the following Saturday against Anderson before obviously conference tournament time. And what's most important clearly is to try and be at home. Um, at the Beck Center, if at all possible, for the conference tournament. You've got a game lead on Rose Holman, though you split with them, so we start getting into tiebreakers should you guys slip up. Is that a conversation you're having in the locker room? Uh, you know, we're not, we're not having in the locker room. We went, um, you know, into the second round, and our, and our goal was to win nine games but win them one game at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think this is a team that is, they've been upset in the last couple of years in their opinion, and they've had some tough road losses. And so they don't need any reminding that, in, you know, in this league on any night, um, things can happen. And, you know, we had a game at Franklin where we really struggled to shoot the ball and it took all the grit and determination to find a way through that. And so, you know, coach King at defiance, he took that over this year and they're doing a great job and they're, he's got them better every week and, and they're playing really good basketball right now with a lot of good shooters. And so, they take it one game at a time, and I think they've done a really good job not overlooking uh, anyone. And, and they, they, they've had very big goals from the beginning, and the, the players certainly want to host. They like shooting in our gym. 
Uh, you know, we're <laughs> shooting 38% from the three-point line, and I, I would venture to guess we're shooting better at that at home. And You are. You know, sometimes when we're, you know, when we're at home and if we're not making every other shot, it, it feels crazy. I watch them do it all the time in practice, and we play drills all the time where if you, the other team makes a three, you lose, and we can't seem to get stops. <laughs> That's that's not no, good. But we try. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's not good, Coach. Uh, you mentioned the seniors, but you got two juniors in the top three in scoring. Uh, Shelby Boyle, the guard, at, at 14 points a game. She also pulls down eight rebounds a game, um, two and a half assists a game. The other junior being Ashton Woodward, uh, 13 points a game, um, five rebounds a game, almost three assists a game. And that goes with C- uh, Celia Klein, the senior, almost 14 points a game herself. Three and a half or four rebounds a game, also two and a half assists. And and I'm gonna get to the assists in a minute, but that trio there, and I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody else because there's <laughs> Walker and Hayes and Artero and et cetera, but that trio there feels like a very consistent triple headed monster because they all do the same things consistently well, at least on the stat sheet. Yeah, you know, they do. We are we are really fortunate that we can score a lot of different ways and you know, while we are shooting the three well and, and we will take it every time we're open, you know, we are determined to not die by it. And so we spend every day in practice finding ways to score inside. And Shelby and Ashton, because they're big guards, you know, they can go outside. They can, you know, take it off the balance. We can post them up. Um, and they, it, you know, they potentially create some really challenging mismatches while we have our ability to bring in our two sophomores that are both 6'3". We have, you know, our guard play that has some really fast and athletic guards. And so we try to find a way every night um, to capitalize on different things. And, you know, we joke um, all the time, you know, we are all the way through the season and last season included. And, uh, you know, we've only one time gotten a player of the week award. And even though last year we had the player of the year and it's because we are so balanced, it is really challenging on any night that, you know, for if Shelby or any of those go for 18 on one night, it's very likely that, you know, they have two other teammates go for 15 or 18 on the other night. And, I, you know, I think their, their um, self, you know, selflessness is amazing, um, almost to a fault. If one of them makes three in a row, they'll pass the next one, even though it's a really good look. They, they truly share the ball and they celebrate each other's success. And, you know, through that, they are having a ton of success as a team. And again, the consistency about the numbers, they're all shooting the same percentage from the floor, same percentage from beyond the arc, similar percentage from the free throw line. We already talked about the fact that the three of them combined between 13 and 14 points a game. Their rebounds are similar. Their assists are insanely (laughs) similar. I mean, it it feels, I mean, their assist to turnover ratio is almost identical. It gets a little bit ridiculous. By the way, 30 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game, 30.3 minutes a game for the trio. I mean, it's literally like a uh, a triplets. Um, but then again, you have Walker and Hayes Otero, uh, who are also contributing as sophomores and seniors as well. Feels like a, a good core. How do you, I guess it isn't how do you keep them focused? Cause they're clearly focused, but is, is there anything you guys face that, that makes that group not succeed as like it should, I guess is the best way I can ask. Yeah. I, I really think sometimes it is the fact that they are so selfless, um, mm. You know, they really, you know, they, they share the basketball um, and they want everybody else um, to be successful on the court. And, you know, we have uh, five seniors and they all have very different roles and they're unbelievably important. And, you know, while 
not everybody gets to play the same amount of minutes. Um, you know, they, they come in and what they do matters to us. And so I think, uh, you know, we kind of, we talk about it all the time, what our, you know, what our goals are, you know, from the three, from the two, from the free throw line, you know, what is the measure of success? And, um, and I think they understand that. And, and part of our success for sure is that they understand what shots we're taking on offense. You know, I think it has made us really good offensive rebounders. We know when the ball's going up. We know where it's going up from. You know, we, we know what shots we don't want to take. Um, and they, they have really bought into, you know, they're, they're, they're a smart group of women there at Transylvania, and they've bought into the math behind what we're doing. Um, and so they want to get the best shot every time down the floor. And, and they're quick to shoot. We don't turn it over very often. Not sometimes, I think, because, you know, one pass, if they're open, mm. they know they're supposed to shoot it. And, um, and it's easy to give, you know, I mean, you have seven or eight people above 30% from the three-point line. It's easy to give them the green light when they're putting up the numbers they are. Sure. Um, yeah, your top three, by the way, or top four in assists, top five, I apologize, all two to three assists a game. I'm actually starting to wonder if your SID maybe is, uh, is going to cook in the assists a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Oh, I don't well, know, Julie. We'll, we'll take all the help we can get. <laughs> <laughs> so ahead again, you got three games um, in conference to finish this off: Defiance, Franklin, and Anderson. All teams you have beaten. Um, Defiance last time was a twelve-point game. Franklin though went to overtime, and you got by them with a, by a point at their place. And the last time you faced off against Anderson, it was in the middle of December, and you got that one relatively easily. Obviously, a lot changes. What's the message to the team in the locker room? Uh, you know, I think they understand a lot of changes. Um, Defiance, we have thought, you know, they have a lot of talent. They are playing, you know, several big guards. They have five players over 35%. I mean, they are just shooting the ball unbelievably well. I think they match up really well with us. Anderson brought in a bunch of freshmen. You know, they had Rose Holman at the buzzer, and then one of the freshmen kind of fouled and made a freshman mistake. You know, they, they're, they're doing well. I, I would have much rather, I think, had them, you know, two months ago. Uh, freshmen this time of year start to play like sophomores. Um, and Franklin, obviously, I don't think our team needs much motivation. They were excited to get out of that game. Um, but, you know, we, we're trying to just do it one game at a time, and we really want to play at home next week. We think good things uh, happen here in the Beck Center. And uh, so we're going to do everything we can to be prepared and show up and, and be healthy. Well, Coach, um, I love the Beck Center. It's a great little place to see basketball. It's not little. I'm saying that somewhat sarcastically. Uh, I enjoy having you on the show to discuss the fact. I look forward to seeing, hopefully, the HCAC tournament coming through your neck of the woods. Really great to see you guys kind of burst kind of quietly back into the national conversation, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? You know, I do have one. I just, you know, right before this, I came from our National Golden Women's in Sports Day event. Oh, great. And we had all of our females in our department. I am, I'm very lucky. We have a phenomenal athletic director, and we have a lot of women in our department. Mm -hmm. So to be able to do what we do with women's athletics and to have D3 hoops, you know, I am incredibly grateful for all the opportunities that our women get in. And thank you for all your coverage and everything you do for the sport as well. Well, I thank you. Uh, it's much easier to do it when coaches like yourself are willing to come on the show. But you're right. Your department <laughs> has a, a wonderful sense of leadership in the women's side, and it should be applauded, to be sure. Uh, thanks again for the time. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Absolutely. Julie Folks joining us here on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they're playing well. They're up to 21. 
Um, they were at 22 uh, last week. They deserve to be there. Watch out for them. Uh, we've seen in years past that Transylvania is a pretty good program. We'll see how much waves they can make. Granted, they are in the same neighborhood as Thomas More. you got to figure at some point in the NCAA tournament they may have to run into them. But that's March. We're still in February. Let's get through the tournament or through the regular season, as it were. We'll take another break. When we come back, switch gears to men's basketball. We'll talk to Christopher Newport, men's basketball coach, John Krikorian. Coach K can probably explain to me what I'm not seeing. What am I missing about the program that for some reason I, I, I should have been voting for him sooner maybe? I don't know. We've been on and off the bandwagon with Christopher Newport, and Coach Krikorian can come on and explain why we should be or on or off it himself. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Carol LaHaye, basketball coach at Randolph-Macon College and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, back to Dave. Sorry about that, folks. Commercial didn't seem to run out. You've got quite Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. And, of course, you can join us on Facebook where we're live streaming the show. And uh, we're also on YouTube. 
where you can interact with us there as well. Matthew's giving us a nice, rowdy uh, conversation, and I mean that uh, tongue-in-cheek, Matthew, about the Stevens Point investigation. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. Again, we got a statement from Bob Semling sometime during the show that we will read and, and discuss and answer some of the questions as well. But back to our normally scheduled programming. We've discussed Christopher Newport on this show, especially during the uh, Top 25 Double Take with, with Ryan Scott on a few occasions, trying to kind of get a better sense, as it were, of who we are the captains and what are we missing or not understanding or whatever you want to call it. Um, not that long ago, Ryan pointed out how, how he's kind of leaping off the bandwagon to some degree, and I joked that uh, I didn't know if I should be on it or not. Well, I'm voting for him now, but I'll be honest. I, I'm not sure if I should be. Um, I can't get a sense of the captains mainly because the CAC is in a quirky spot this year. And I think that's the biggest part of it. Joining us to talk about it on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline on Skype, it is John Krikorian, the head coach of the Christopher Newport Captains, 16th ranked, we should add. Coach, thanks for joining us, especially via Skype, and love the office. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Um, all right. So what am I missing? You Granted, Marcus Carter's back, um, which I think, was something I certainly took notice of at the beginning of the year. He's had some injuries uh, throughout his career, and he's able to be back. The CAC doesn't feel like the CAC we've gotten used to the last few years, and maybe that's part of where I'm kind of off. But what am I missing about the the captains that would tell me why they should be 16th ranked and I'm not buying in yet? I, maybe you need to come see us play. I Have Ryan come and see us play. I, I don't... You know, we're not caught up in, in the rankings oh, or sure. justifying uh, where we stand or whatnot. I mean, we've played 22 games. Um, we, we scheduled as, as good as we thought we were able. Um, we think the CAC is really strong. I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, and we've done well. Uh, the guys earlier in the year, we we really were peaking. We lost at Lynchburg and came back together. Um, and Lynchburg's really good, especially at home. And, you know, we, we were really playing well against uh, Randolph-Macon and Virginia Wesleyan right in December. Uh, I felt like, and I've had some teams uh, advance in the tournament, that this was a team that had a chance. Um, I still do. But, you know, a little bit in January, we get the injury bug a little bit, uh, finding our way. Uh, and I feel like over the next two weeks, we got a chance of getting back to that. But in the meantime, uh, my guys have just found a way. It hasn't always been pretty. Uh, maybe I wouldn't vote for us either. But I know they're working hard, and, and I'm excited. I'm excited about what this team can be in, in 10 days when we start our conference tournament. And conference tournament right around the corner, which is crazy. And obviously battling to make sure the games are played at your place would be important. Uh, you've got a tie right now with York, who, you know, another quirky team lost, what was it, 3,000-point scorers last year and now find themselves back at the top of the conference at 16-6 and six overall, 9-2. and two. You, against them, have beaten them twice this season. Um, but they, we split. They, we actually split. Split. I apologize. Yeah, that was the third loss I couldn't find. Both games close. Of course, both games at home were the winners. And you had that other loss against Mary Washington, which I, I know you guys would love to have back. Have injuries been an issue this year, or have you guys deep enough that they haven't affected you as much as maybe those on, like us on the outside make it out to be? Uh, they've definitely impacted us. I mean, it's been key guys. Marcus Carter uh, was back out. 
uh, a couple times for some different things. Luther Gibbs, we now have lost for the season. Kutch Ellis missed five games uh, with shin splints. These are all starters. Um, you know, Tyler Femi got hurt at the end of some games. So all significant, uh, and, but I think that goes to our depth uh, in that other guys have stepped up uh, and found a way to help us have the kind of success we have. And Kutch Ellis is back playing at a very high level. If you remember Tim Daly from a couple years ago, uh, you know, a lot of similarities there. Uh, Marcus is still wearing a brace, but we're hopeful that within the next week or two, he'll be uh, 100%. Uh, We won't get Luther back, but uh, we've got some other guys that are, that are stepping in. So, you know, I think that's part of having a program like we do with balance and culture. And, um, you know, again, Whatever we're ranked, I don't, I don't know, but these guys are busting their butt. And I'm telling you, the CAC, like I did a little homework because I knew you were going to hit me about the CAC, okay? And Why you would know, you I, think that? We, well, you know, you, we get a little bad rap because you got teams that have left and what's going to happen and the sky is falling and all well, this I, stuff. I know but all about it. let me tell it. you, Dave, I looked back for the last 18 years at regional rankings, not one time. Have there been four in the Mid-Atlantic from the CAC regionally ranked in the first vote, in the first go-round? Okay. We have four in the top six. So I, I don't know what that means. Maybe there's an explanation that, that defies logic, but our teams won 67% of their non-conference games as a conference. Our teams have some signature wins outside of the conference. And Regardless of what you see with numbers on paper, you watch a York Christopher Newport game or a Salisbury Mary Washington game or any of those four, you're going to see teams that can all advance in the NCAA tournament if they get an opportunity. There's not a doubt in my mind. Some of those numbers, I oh, we can go down a rabbit hole here. Out-of-conference wins I know is a good metric, but sometimes – it's a tough metric until you break down who are, who's everybody playing. You're right. There were some significant wins out of that. Four teams in the regional rankings, okay, but the, the, the Centennial's a little bit not as deep as it used to be at the top. Matt Commonwealth is kind of eating its young <laughs> to some degree um, that hasn't been allowing it in there. But at the same time, you know, yeah, you guys have four teams in these regional rankings, and, and certainly teams have surged of late, which is nice to see. Salisbury kind of was like a meteorite at the beginning of the season and, and has faded since. Mary Washington has been kind of up and down a little bit. Uh, you guys have been the most consistent, certainly, and now York has certainly uh, stuck their head into the mix, which is fascinating to see for a conference, as you said, is absolutely all over the place right now, not only in its past but in its future. What do you have to do, though, to make sure that the toughest road trip everybody's got to make to your place is going to be the trip they got to make for the conference tournament? Well, we got three games left, you know, and and uh, I to a certain degree, we control our own destiny to a certain degree. You know, we don't uh, you know, if we were to win out and York was to win out, then I guess it would uh, come down to a coin flip. But um Honestly, we just want to play as well as we can against uh, Frostburg State on Saturday, who is not in that top four in the standings. But again, when they're playing well, they're as good as anybody this year. Well, they've year. gotten some they interesting have some wins. Really yeah. talented players, and, and Sean's doing a great job. So, you know, regardless of where the games are, you know, York came and beat us at our place in the championship last year. Right. I mean, we've gone 
Salisbury, they've come here. These games are going to come down to the wire. I don't know that it matters too much where that last game is, uh, but I think you're right. The first game, the quarters, the semis, huge advantage on a weeknight to have those games at home. Um, you know, you get to a championship. Uh, listen, it doesn't matter where that game is. There's going to be a ton of energy. The best team's going to win. Um, we just want to be playing our best basketball. And if we can get some of these guys healthy and uh, some of these other guys to, to get more comfortable in their roles, you know, we, we just want to find a way. We found a way last night against a Southern Virginia team that was winless. They're a really good basketball team, really good basketball team. And, uh, and we had to find a way at the end to, to pull it out. So at this time of year, you know, that's what it's about. My guys have been doing it, and I'm proud of them. Yeah, I, I think last year I was at a game at York where you guys ended up winning that game. I think that's what ended up allowing the game to be at your place. But as you said, York ended up winning the conference title as a result of that. Looking at stats, um, 14 guys who've played three-quarters or more games this season. That's a lot of players that you're able to go to on the bench. Uh, you've got two at 15-plus points a game, and, and Jason, uh, Jason Agner, I can never say his last name correctly. Agner. Yeah, Agner. Uh, and Marcus Carter. Uh, then it's a, a no more el- no one else in double figures, but you do have Kutch Ellis at nine points a game and seven points each for uh, Chapel and Gibbs. Obviously, those two at the top are the catalysts. They're the the keys. But what's the if 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 you really need to stop you guys? I'm not asking you for strategy, but is there are they the key, or do you or you, is there other players that are going to bite you? In other words, yeah. I think, you know, and, and one of our core values this year, we have three. One of them is diversity, and and that covers a lot of different things. And But on the court, I think it covers what, what we hope to be with this group, and we can play a lot of different ways. I think that's what makes us so dangerous. If you want to go up and down, we can go up and down. You want to play in the half court, we could play in the half court. You want to play a, a game inside with, with bigs and post up, we got, we got some big dudes, and they can score and rebound in there. You want to play zone? Well, we got guys that can shoot the three. Uh, so we, we've found a way, uh, even up at York, we lost. Marcus Carter didn't even play. Mm. And, um, you know, we were right there till the end. So I think that, yes, Jason and Marcus are having exceptional years. They've been our most consistent scorers. Um, but we can play a lot of different ways. And, and for that reason, I think we're built uh, for a postseason because – you know, you got different matchups and different teams, and I think we can do it a lot of different ways with this group. That's what I'm most excited about. I know this one's a little bit out of, above your pay grade, as it were, but interestingly enough, two of your next three opponents aren't going to be there next year, supposedly, assuming Frostburg State gets its wish of being accepted to Division II, uh, acting like they're already there and they're not quite there yet. And then there's Salisbury, and then you'll finish up with Penn State-Harrisburg. Are you worried about the future? Are you worried about where you guys may be forced to schedule games in the future? Or again, is it above your pay grade? You know, it's crazy, Dave. I couldn't be less worried at all. I mean, the core group right now is not only performing uh, and putting themselves in the national picture, but as long as we stay together, I'm not worried about it at all. If we, if it's four, five, six, whatever it is, um, we're, we're going to play. We're going to attract great student athletes to our schools. We're going to have a league. We're going to have games. We're going to have non-conference games. In some ways, that is a huge advantage. 
um, in terms of scheduling. And, you know, eventually it'll work out, I'm sure. And, and people will want to either either join us or um, or, or will merge or, or something. But I, it doesn't affect my kids. It's not something my players talk about or worry about. Um, they're coming in working and, and they know if they win games. Uh, if they win the games on the schedule, they're going to have a chance to advance in the postseason. And that does not change, I don't think, yeah. going forward. Yeah, I'm I'm not as worried as everybody else. I'm fascinated, but I'm certainly not worried like some um, in the conference are. As a group, you guys should stay together no matter what. But um, I, we could dive down that rabbit hole a whole other time. Uh, John, I appreciate the time it took to, to come on the show, especially via Skype. Really appreciate it. Fascinating team. I feel You guys feel more scrappy than maybe in the past. Maybe that's just my perception, but you seem like a scrappier unit than I'm used to in the past. We are scrappy. These kids are tough, and, and they've had the battle. And I think whoever comes out of the Capitol, and I hope it's, it's more than one, I hope it's more than two, uh, they're going to be battle-tested, uh, sure. I promise you. And Because there's been some games down to the wire. It's physical. It's is talented players and coaches. Whoever comes out is going to be battle tested, uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. Makes a significant run in the NCAA tournament uh, or two of us. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens. I agree. I think we are a little scrappy. Uh, I like that. That's that's okay by me. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, thanks again. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Oh well, as always, thanks for for being the platform for Division Three basketball for doing it. Uh, with integrity and, and unbiasedness. I appreciate that greatly. Um, and, and I did, you know, my thoughts are with, so we, we have a guy in Luther Gibbs who now is out for the season. Uh, you know, he, he goes to the floor at St. Mary's. There's a pileup. There's four guys on the floor. Uh, he breaks his leg. And I know that there are, there's players throughout our country, Division One, Two, II, and Three, every sport, you know, but specifically Division Three basketball players. They're not getting paid. There's no scholarships. They got to worry about insurance and they're diving on the floor. They're crashing under the basket. They're breaking bones, pulling ligaments. And, and as a coach, as a fan, I just want all the, you know, all those players to know that we appreciate the heck out of them for all that they do and, uh, and ambassadors they are for our game. I hope they all get back healthy at some point. And, uh, you know, that, that's what, that's what makes this game so great. Well said. Thank you for the time and for the great final word. Enjoy the rest of the season. We'll look forward to catching up, catching up with you down the road. Thanks, my friend. Awesome. John Gregorian joining us from Christopher Newport again. They're 19-3, and 9-2 in conference play on a three-game winning streak, having won eight of their last nine. Got Frostburg at home coming up on Wednesday. Then they finish up next week, Saturday, and then Wednesday against Salisbury and Penn. I'm sorry. They got Frostburg Saturday. Then Wednesday, Saturday against Salisbury and Penn State Harrisburg on the road. By the way, a quick note, uh, Transylvania on the last um, segment, uh, thanks for Julie Folks coming on, mentioned to us what I had missed because of my distractions with everything else. Um, Brian Lane picking up his 291st victory at for the men's basketball program. He and his father now combined at Transylvania have won 800 games. Not too shabby. And, he's, and Brian's also nine games away from 300. We haven't had Brian on the show in a long time. He's a friend of the program. We uh, congratulate him and his father on that mark and look forward to seeing Brian hit uh, 300 as well in the near future. Take another break. When we come back, Chris Downs from St. Lawrence will join us to talk about his program and what he makes of uh, 
really what they're doing up there. It has been a yo-yo season for them. It is crazy to think about. We'll discuss it all coming up. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. Cheer for the stumbles. That he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody here from the WBCA NABC studios, an extended version. We purposely are in overtime. We know we're in overtime tonight. Uh, it is by design because, darn it, we had so much to talk about with Stevens Point. Again, a reminder, we will talk more about Stevens Point at the end of the show as we've now gotten a statement from Bob Semling. We can talk about that and answer your questions. We've gotten a number of email questions. I appreciate it. We got one regarding uh, a game coming up on the women's side. I saw a tweet about River Falls. We will get to those questions if you can bear with us. I even got a question earlier today about Wabash. We will try and get you those answers uh, later in the program. We've got one, uh, two more segments I'm about to talk about the Saints of St. Lawrence with Chris Downs, and then we'll wrap up with Bob Amsbury from Wartburg Women, and then we'll get to all your questions before we wrap up the show tonight. If you look at the Saints record the last few days or a few years, you may feel like you experienced whiplash. Uh, a program that hovered around 500 for a number of years. We can go back to 2008, 2009 when they were 22 and 7, and of course 2006, 2007. 23 and six, but since then kind of a 500 program till they kind of returned to the national scene in 2016, 2017 with a 20 and seven record. And then last season they were five and 20 and that wasn't a typo. 
Now they're back to 15 and 6. Talk about up and down. I had to talk to Chris Towns about this. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Skype Hoopsville Hotline is aforementioned Chris Downs. Coach, I notice you're not wearing a neck brace. That must be a good sign. <laughs> yeah, Dave, you hit it on the head. Uh, try being me during that time. <laughs> I don't want to be. That's why I'm here and you're there. It's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a crazy up and down few years, and it's, been, uh, it's nice to be back in a little better position than we were uh, a year ago. In Division Three, it's not that uncommon to see a program have a lot of success or a really great year, maybe not an abnormal year, but a year that's above the medium, as it were, because they've they've gotten a bunch of seniors on the program at that point. They played through the years. They've gotten to that point, done really well. And unfortunately, there's just a drop off, whether players didn't live up to what we thought or there were injuries the next year or recruiting has its ebbs and flows, too. So to see five and 20, to be honest with you doesn't shock me um it's it's unfortunate but then to see the next year bounce back at, and, and could be potentially another 20 win season that's crazy w could you give us a, an idea of how your program has done this kind of up and down so severely well you know to be honest with you it's it's been uh, for us a year ago it was a lot to do with injuries um we lost we, we just don't have the depth um that maybe some of the others, you know, uh, schools may have, or um, we lose one or two really good players. And, you know, it's hard for us to kind of maintain that level. And, and last year we lost one or two really good players and we added them back in the mix this year. And I think we were going to be, I thought we were going to be pretty good a year ago. Um, and when we lost those guys, um, you know, the, the wins and losses didn't work out, but uh I will tell you, last year is 5-20, and 20, and as crazy as this is going to sound, we had a really enjoyable time coaching that group of guys. Um, they were awesome. They never gave up. They We played every guy on the roster. We finished the year with eight guys on the floor and five in shirts and ties, And but we had a ball coaching them, and, uh, and we're reaping the benefits of them putting the work in last year. This year. So that's been good. I'll just say eight players on the floor, by the way, coach, it's frowned upon. I believe that's a technical foul. Oh. <laughs> <Just Yeah. fine. laughs> You've got three seniors on this year's team, um, which, which, but you have depth. I noticed a lot of freshmen. Uh, you've got maybe one sophomore. Actually, I forgot a senior. There's a graduate in there in uh, uh, Narcilio. Narcilio. Uh, Naclario. I overthought that so way many ways. It's not funny. Yeah. Niclario is actually leading the team in scoring uh, at 14.5 points a game. Ben Crawford second at nearly 13 and 10 points from Luke Hicks. But, again, you got this nice senior group, but then it's a, a, a number of juniors, a handful of sophomores, and a lot of freshmen. You have a bit of depth here that it feels like maybe that 5-20 and 20 is, is just an admiration. I'm hoping so. You know, the uh, Corey Begley, my assistant, did a really nice job he brought in some really great kids um, into our freshman class. Adding Naclario back, I mean, he's 6'9". He can shoot threes. He can take in the post. Crawford is pound for pound, one of the tougher kids. He's only about 6'2", but he's such a tough kid. Um, you know, and then uh, and we've got some good young players that are that are bought in. And, and even the guys that played last year got a lot of experience. And so when they go out on the floor – they're not playing like freshmen or sophomores. They're playing like guys who have been there. 
of your five leading scores. I think it's five. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, three of them are seniors. Uh, four of them are seniors or graduates. So that would be a concern. But as you said, they're getting experience. That's the most important part. And and you're not afraid to go pretty deep on your bench in any in on most games. We've got a group. We've got a group, uh, and this goes to just how, how deep it is and what the right. It's the right culture. We got a group of guys we call the Frozen Four, and they go in every game at the four minute mark. And they play from the four-minute mark to the two-minute mark. And we keep track of their plus-minus. And uh, they started out the first game. They went in there, and they were nervous as could be. And they were minus six, and they were out in a minute. And then we left them, and then we we came back the next couple of games, and they've got themselves up to plus-one on the year. So we're stealing minutes. They're going out there. Our guys are excited when they're out there. They play with great energy. They play with great passion. And it's really adding to – you know, the practices and the culture. And, and so it's been, it's been really fun to, to go that deep. Again, a little worried. Now we're talking ice hockey in a basketball game. I know you guys have <laughs> ice hockey at St. Lawrence and it's D one, but come on coach basketball. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I kid. Um, beginning of the season was rough. Uh, lost four of your first six games. Uh, Potsdam, uh, Scranton beat you Plattsburgh and Skidmore beat you as well. Your only wins there were against her who's a decent team this year in Canton. Uh, since then, though, only two losses, one to Oswego by 18 and one to Vassar, which I think probably shook, scratched a lot of people's heads, 70 to 49. W- what have you guys learned from the losses and what happened? Because those losses, I would argue none of them have really been close. You're, it feels like either you guys are on or you're not. Well, I think the, the Vassar loss was tough because we were on the bus for about eight hours to get there. Same day, snowed. It was a miserable trip. We just didn't have legs when we got there. They just put it to us. And so that was a that was a tough one. The Oswego game uh, just before break um, was really good for us. They're a good team. They're number yeah. one ranked team in the in the East region. And uh, and after that game, Coach Leone actually was great. He worked. He called me. He's a friend of mine. And he said, look, I don't think you're that far away. Um, and he talked about a few things he thought we could do better and, uh, you know, on the offensive side of things. And, and we're not an offensive juggernaut, but, but he talked about a few things he thought we could do, gave me some advice. We worked on it, and we've been able to win 10 of our last 11, and, and, uh, and we're playing better basketball. By the way, anything Leon said, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I like Jason, but um, got an interesting conference. Uh, you've got a game lead on Skidmore. You've got a two-game lead on Hobart. And then there's everybody else. But this is a conference that the last few years has seen the the dark horse come out of nowhere, a union, for example, kind of go and win the conference tournament. How important is it to make sure to have home court advantage? And then how important is it to remind yourself that anybody can beat you? Yeah, look, there's no uh... – there's nobody that um, has to remind me the comp being the conference champion, the regular season conference champion has not really bode very well for, I am not sure in the last five or six years that the team that was the conference champ won the tournament, um, including us in 2016. So I'm not sure that that, that is uh, something, maybe you don't want that. I don't know, Dave. Um, but uh, you know, we, we right now, when I mean, you guys are calling and, and being nice enough to have me on. And we're talking all the time to our guys about an old Sean Payton thing with the saints. 
don't eat the cheese. You know, people are starting to tell us we're good. Um, you know, there's articles in the newspaper and, and we keep saying it's a trap. You know, we've got to keep getting better working at our game. And I, I think we're starting to do that a little bit. So if it makes you feel better. I don't have you on because you're good. I, I just, I'm running out of guests. I need somebody. I told the, people. Yeah. I needed somebody from the East region. You had this gaudy record that seemed impossible. I felt like it was wrong. Maybe a typo. So I had to call you. If that helps your team, there you go. Well, that's perfect because that's what I've been telling our alums and stuff. So um, that's, that's great. That's absolutely great. You're, I, I, it's a free service, sir. It's a free service. We'll, we'll take that's donations, right. but equal opportunity. Uh, obviously four games left um, this weekend. Again, you guys are weekend warriors in this conference. You'll finish your home schedule with union and Ithaca. Then it's on the road and in important games, RPI and Skidmore. Right. A lot still to be played. Clearly. How do you keep them focused on one game at a time? They're, they're very focused on what it is we're doing. We've been staying, we've been staying with, you know, our game plan is for Friday night. We'll worry about Saturday um, on Saturday morning. We, we just aren't getting ahead of ourselves. We're not looking at, you know, home seeds or anything. We're just staying one practice at a time and trying to get better each day. And the guys are bought into that. So, because we were so bad last year, I think they really understand that we have to work day after day. That makes sense. Sometimes it's it's an easy reminder just to remind yourself of what you've already gone through. Coach, appreciate the time, uh, especially via Skype. Great to see you. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to seeing how the Saints do and how the Liberty League ends up shaking out. In the meantime, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, I think the only thing is uh, – I was looking behind you over your shoulder there, and I'm wondering, did Leffler send you that Hopkins basketball jersey and make you put it on the chair? Is Holy. that, that Leffler? Because Leffler, he leaves no stone unturned, that guy. He used he, to work for me an, here. So. He gets an easy out on this. That is actually a Bill Nelson. It's a practice jersey. Okay. Uh, Bill Nelson gave it to me. Gosh. We're talking 10 years ago, maybe. It's a relic of, of the studio. That's kind of how we got started with our studio. So, well, no, Bill that Nelson, gotten off easy, to be honest with you. Well, Bill Nelson was a St. Lawrence guy, too. Yeah, so uh, And Leffler's doing a nice job down there with yeah. him. So I don't know if you can see. There is a Nazareth jersey hiding in the corner over here. Uh, uh, keep that out of this. Keep that out of the screen. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's uh, I think it's um, Van Gundy's number, so. All right. Well, listen, thanks for, thanks for everything. Thanks for having us on. And, and like all the other P coaches, you know, we all appreciate what you're doing for us. So keep up the great work. Well, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it as well. Good luck. Stay warm all the way up there in Northern New York. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks again. Absolutely. Chris Downs joining us here on the blue frame technology, uh, Hoopsville hotline via Skype, uh, interesting Liberty league race. And, and again, an example of it's not how you start. It's how you finish. They could be walking their way into an NCAA tournament berth, but there is a lot of work still to be done. When we come back, one more segment before we go back to kind of the conversations, top 25 regional rankings, Stevens Point, whatnot. Wartburg women's basketball joins us. You're listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with more after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. 
we place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back to Hoopsal, everybody, here from the WBCA NABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsal or hashtag Hoopsal. Email us, Hoopsal at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsal. Uh, a reminder, we will be talking more about regional rankings, top 25, and the Stevens Point investigation here to wrap up the show. we got one more segment with a guest, and then we will get to all of that. There are some of you questions. I appreciate your patience. We've got a jam-packed show tonight because of everything. This is probably one of the crazier weeks of a season in the middle of the season I have had in just terms of how much we've been doing. I feel like it's still mid-November because that's about the last time I took a breath. Now, it's not for sympathy. It's just to say, I appreciate your patience. A longer show today. We will get to your questions. Um, all right. So when it comes to women's basketball, one of the there's a number of teams I want to talk to every year, and I sit there and I bide my time because I, I constantly think to myself, well, I, I could talk to them now, I, I could talk to them then, I could talk to them here, but I, if I we have a policy on the show. Once we talk to you in the regular season, we try not to have you back on until near the end of the season, even if we had you at the beginning of the season. The idea is that we can talk to as many coaches as we want and not always talk to the same people and not have the same topics all the time. So sometimes it's about hedging your bets. I think we've hedged our bets as far as I'm willing to go with Wartburg. We have not talked about the American Rivers Conference, the former IAAC, on the women's side enough. And I always enjoy talking to Bob Amsbury 
when he's on the show. So let's waste as little time as we can. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned Coach Amsbury. And, Coach, uh, thanks for joining us. You guys are having a another great season that I feel like you've started to become synonymous for. Dave, we've had a, I've had a lot of fun this year. It's uh, we kind of had to reinvent ourselves a little bit um, coming into the year, and I knew we had a lot of talent, but there was a lot of question as to really what we were going to look like and how good we could be. And and we've I, I got to credit our returning kids, and we've added some new blood to the mix, and um, we've so far had a really good year you know let's talk a little bit about that reinvention because it's in in our history it's not that long ago to go back to 16 and 10 12 and 15 seasons you were always a program that certainly was good but never got a lot of a national attention burst onto the scene in 2015-16 when you guys went 23 and 8 then 2016-17 was the 25 and 3 season that everyone remembers and of course last year 31 and 1 a magical run but I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect this season. As you said, you guys had to kind of reinvent the wheel, as it were. Can you explain to everybody why exactly? I mean, I know, but give everybody a sense of what you guys had to do coming into this season. Yeah, we um, we graduated seven really good seniors um, from last year's team that um, had won a lot of games. Um, that group led us to the Final Four in 2016 and then had a – we we bowed out in the first round um, in 17, and then last year's run, you know, 31 and 0 going into the final four, and um, and then all those kids graduate, and in that group we had, I think, 75 to 80 percent of our scoring, our minutes, our rebounds. Um, I had four 1,000 point scores in the class. Um, and they were leaving, and so that we just had a lot of question marks coming into this season. And um, you know, we did have two two players that were really vital to our success that returned. Uh, Emma Emma Gertis, who is one of the best players I've ever had, hmm. um, and I mean her versatility. We ask her to do about everything. And she's able to, and she's just a, a very, very solid player in all aspects of the game. And uh, and then um, a high school teammate of hers, uh, who was a senior, Adrian Butker, um, was our backup post player a year ago, and she stepped into into a starting role and has been a great leader for us. And uh, her stat line is unreal. Yeah, um, you know she leads us in scoring. Uh, and she's shooting over 70% from the field. So, um, you know, we've leaned on those two a lot. And uh, then we've had some younger girls that have stepped into bigger roles, returning players that were kind of along for the ride last year, Mm -hmm. but learned a lot and practiced against really good players, but didn't get a lot of time on the court. And um, that group worked really hard in the offseason and didn't want to go back to the old ways they wanted to continue to be really good and go ahead uh, and and then you know we were fortunate also to add three transfers to the mix and um two of those girls start for us and one comes off the bench and 
we certainly wouldn't be where we are today without that group. Um, you know, and it's it's been a lot of fun to just kind of figure out as we go um, who we were going to be. Mm. And it took us a while. And I think over the last couple weeks, two to three weeks, we've really settled into who we are and what makes us good. What I find interesting is, and this is something I've, I've noticed over the years for you more recently than maybe, and maybe I've missed it in the past, but you are not afraid to go out there and schedule yourself against some really good teams. As a result, losing seven seniors like you did, not that this year would be a disaster, but this year, the way you schedule was set up to be a real challenge. You had um, Wisconsin Platteville that tends to be pretty good, Illinois Wesleyan on the schedule. You also had Simpson, obviously the conference in Simpson and, and the rest. But then you had Eau Claire, Randolph-Macon, Cabrini, North Central, St. Thomas, all in non-conference play. And I'm almost, I don't, I don't mean to be negative, but I'm almost surprised you only have three losses, two of them in non-conference play. You smoked St. Thomas by 20. It's their only loss of the season. Um, you beat a good Randolph-Macon team. Um, at the wrong Las Vegas tournament, but we'll, we can discuss that another time. Uh, I know you're busy when we have ours. You, you, I find what you guys have done, considering what you lost and the schedule you had in front of you, to be really impressive. Well, I appreciate that. We, uh, you know, I I think as a young coach a long time ago, I was I was apprehensive about scheduling those those best teams and. You know, it, it finally I I wisened up and I thought, you know, if we really want to go places, we've got to we've got to have a better schedule. And so it really started. Um, I don't know, five six years ago, we tried to bring better teams into our tournament. And um, honestly, had we not done that in 2016, mm-hmm. we wouldn't even have gotten into the NCAA sure. tournament. Yeah, we finished point. third in our league year that 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 year and ended up going to the final four. So, (laughs) you know, that was a, that was a, uh, (laughs) I learned a lot, you know, you've got to be able to beat somebody on your way. Um, And so, so our tournament in December, I know it conflicts with yours. That's okay. Um, But, but that's a, that is a key tournament for us every single year. And we try to bring in um, great teams and we've been really fortunate that teams want to come, to Iowa in December and, um, and, and, you know, so, so getting by St. Thomas this year was, was big for us. I went into that game thinking, you know, if we don't play well, we're, we're going to get beat by 25. Mm -hmm. And we had a, I think we had a really good scout and, and our group pulled that thing off. And, um, it, I think that opened their eyes about how good that we could be this year. By the way, I'll say the record. I I can probably speak for Pat and Gordon that we're in Vegas, knowing the tournament you've got the last few years. There's probably a small part of us inside going, "Jeez, wouldn't mind being in Iowa right now." Uh, <laughs> and it's nothing against our event. It's nothing against the teams we have because we have good teams too. But you know, you talk about the 2016 one. I think that was a season you ended up with three top ten teams there, and you and you knocked off the two you faced or something wacky like that. Um, you go out there and you and you test yourselves, and, and I applaud that. What's also impressive is you get the wins, though, Bob, and and that's what's key. And 
Let's talk a little bit about your team in the sense that you've got two players in double figures and two more who should be. Uh, Adrian uh, Botger is at 13 points a game. Emma Gerds at 11.5. Amanda uh, Brainerd at 9.5. And, and Tori Hazard at 9 points a game. You have weapons. You defensively, you hold teams at 56.5 points a game. Uh, only 24.5% from beyond the arc. You're out-rebounding your teams, your opponents by 10. Your assist numbers, you almost have twice as many assists as, as your opponents. You guys seem to have all different facets of the game being played well. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, we're, we're different than we've been in the past. Um, we're, we're longer, bigger. Okay. Um, and so we're, we're able to do some things defensively that, um, a little bit better than we've been able to do in the past. And I think that's certainly helped us. Um, you know, this, this team is very unselfish and I think our assist numbers really point to that. Um, we don't really have a, a star that we have to get points from each night. We've got a bunch of players that can score in different ways and, we really share the ball well, and um, you know it's it's been a lot of fun to coach this team because they're open and they want to learn, and they know that we still have to get much better, and and we can get much better. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think you know I think this team is a really really good passing team, and so we've been able to do some things offensively that um, just is, is different than we we've been in the past how do you balance things because when you look at your roster online there are 24 players listed two of them being seniors botker being the one we've mentioned of the 24 17 have statistically gotten into a game at least they're on the box score and of that 10 primarily play uh you have everybody's played obviously statistically a minimum of six games but of your core group you're playing no more than 10 of a roster that says 24. How do you balance that? And how do you balance the expectations for young ladies coming on to a program like this? Yeah, 24 is hard. Um, Have you always you know, been we, that large, by the way? No. I don't remember that. a little bit bigger than okay. usual. Um, usually we're between 20 and 22. Oh, okay. Um, you know, but, but a lot of our players that are playing now uh, played on our JV team and and learned a lot along the way. And, you know, I think, like, uh, Allie Conrad is a good example. She played a little bit as a freshman last year, um, but but now she starts at the point guard position for us. And we've got, we've got players that we believe um, – that aren't getting minutes now that in the future by, by going through our practices every day and learning and that we expect them to move up and, and move into a, some kind of a role. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's challenging with 24. We practice all in one practice and um, we've had to be a little bit creative and, and in how we do it. Um, I've made, Honestly, I've made some mistakes along the way, and and we've started to over the last several weeks kind of tweak our our the way we practice and the way we set it up um, to make sure that everybody's getting enough reps and 
um, being productive and but it but it certainly is a challenge um, but it's one that we we welcome and and it's intentional to have that big of a roster mm-hmm. um, because because you know next year we want to be good again sure. and we believe it's it's really hard to be um, playing at a high level if you're playing a lot of freshmen and sophomores sure makes sense. It makes sense to me. It's the great thing about Division Three. We get them for four years, right? Uh, versus the higher levels that might not. Um, right. Well, I appreciate the time. Great insight about the Knights. And, and looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. There's obviously a lot more still on the line. Uh, we didn't even mention that you've got a, a, only a one-game lead on Loris in the conference race, and you've got three games left. There's still a lot to play for, though. I think you've got the tiebreaker on Loris because you've beaten them twice. So technically a game we and do, a half yeah. lead. So really a game-and-a-half lead in that in that category. Uh, but I appreciate the time. Thanks for the insight. As always, we get the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuning in? Yeah, I just want to um, obviously thank you for what you do. But, um, you know, I, everybody thanks you. And I, I'm, I echo what everybody says. Um, what you do is really important to us. Um, but really I want a shout-out to my two seniors, um, who we will honor on Saturday on Senior Day? Um, Adrian Butker, who we mentioned, uh, has been an incredible leader for us and a great kid. And um, but the other one I want to mention is Kaylee Schoen, and she's a player that um, comes to work every single day and hardly ever plays. Mm. And she is the um, she's a coach's dream because. She accepts her role and and leads by example and comes to practice and practices hard every day and um, it's it's interesting over the last week I think she's had some of the best practices of her career and I think that speaks a lot of, about who she is and and how she comes to to work every day when um, her role is maybe a little bit limited as far as playing time. And um, it just sets a really good example for all athletes and all players going certainly through our program, but any program that if you can give up, um, you know, give up a little bit of yourself to be part of something bigger, uh, you you got some special things going and and we have that and, and Kaylee's a big part of it. Well, congratulations to her, especially. You need one of those players sometimes on your bench to to kind of motivate everybody else. Congratulations to the team, and we look forward to seeing how the season plays out. Appreciate it, Dave. Absolutely. Bob Amsbury joining us here on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. All interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline, courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will t- help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting www.blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And if you do talk to them, tell them we sent you. Um, they'll be fascinated to know if they heard about it on Hoopsville or via myself. Again, thanks to Bob for joining us. That's a that's a battle-tested team. You can, Warburg is doing the things that make them dangerous year in and year out. Maybe in an area of the country that you forget about, but they they schedule against tough opponents. They get themselves ready. It has gotten them far in the tournaments, and uh, should applaud them 
to say the least. Take another break. When we come back, it's the wrap-up segment to, to answer your questions, talk a little bit about regional rankings, which obviously the Stevens Point case has been a little bit muted tonight. Talk a little bit about Top 25. There are questions from you. I will try and get them answered as well as best I can. So if you have questions, start sending them to us now via Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email them, dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com or fire them off there on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, you can uh, do them in the chat rooms. We'll try and answer those questions there as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We wrap up this extended version of the show with our final block. It'll be about 15 minutes of conversation coming up next. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to Hoopsville. I'm Karen Harvey, head basketball coach at Montclair State University and a member of the WBCA Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave at the WBCA Center Court. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this extended edition of the show. We'll be back on the air Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern as well. Of course, Sundays and Thursdays, 7 o'clock Eastern, the rest of the season. Though, don't forget the, the Selection Sunday special coming up in two and a half weeks' time. We will go on early, 5 or 6 o'clock. Not really positive yet on that timing. We'll figure that out as we get closer as we make our mock selections and, and talk about the NCAA tournament coming up. And, of course, our matchup Monday special usually happens in the afternoon on Monday. Um, 50-50 on, on how much interest there really is with that show, but we'll try and do our bracket breakdown show, I should say, 
on that Monday. But uh, make sure you tune in if you got questions. Uh, you can always email us, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. Twitter is at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. We're on Instagram at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville as well, though we don't communicate on Instagram during a show. We'll certainly promote the show there. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're simulcasting the show here this evening. There are some questions that we've gotten on uh, various means that we will try and get answered here uh, in this closing hour or hour, closing 15 minutes of the show. I appreciate everybody taking their time and their patience with us. Let's go back to the Stevens Point case, which is now closed. We appreciated Brad Duckworth coming on the show, the athletics director from Stevens Point, a little bit earlier to talk about things. Went a little longer than we expected, but Brad always has his forthright and his, and his candor is appreciated, and so we appreciated that time and didn't want to lose it. One of the things we mentioned was that Bob Semling uh, did not appear on the show and that we had requested that. We had had an agreement with him uh, for over a year now that he would come on the show at the end of the investigation to talk about it. We discussed with him that the chances of that um, of that being lived up to were probably not something one would want to promise, but gave assurances that would be discussed. We got a statement from him and we'll relieve it we'll read it in its entirety. I am relieved for our program that this matter has finally come to a conclusion. We overcame the adversity of this case last season, winning the 2018 WIAC tournament and advancing to the 2018 NCAA Division III sectional or Sweet 16. We are focused on doing the same again this year. Our eight seniors are on the mission to be our best in these final weeks and make a deep run in the 2019 Division III, NCAA Division III men's basketball tournament. Personally, I would like to thank the many former student-athletes and their parents, along with our alumni and fans, for their unwavering support throughout this process. Although this has been a challenging few years, it has only proven to strengthen our resolve. I have pledged to all of the Pointer men's basketball constituents that we will be an even better program in the years ahead. Going forward, I could not be more excited about the future of the program. We are poised to land top-ranked recruiting class this year, Matt Hockett, who joined our staff this year from an NCAA Division II institution, University of Wisconsin, or Minnesota Duluth, is an outstanding recruiter. He, along with Kevin Hurd and Matt Resch, have done a wonderful job identifying the next group of young men who will help us pursue a record-tying fifth national championship. Finally, our backcourt club and season ticket holders are more determined than ever to make UWSB the most attractive Division III program in our state for a young man and his family a program close to home where he can pursue his dreams and play collegiate basketball at the highest level. Bob did include some stuff for us personally, but that was his statement. We appreciate the statement, but I am somewhat surprised at what it did not say. It did not say anything about the violations, about anything taking responsibility for said violations, for his actions, or anything about how he might change things in the future. There was not one mention of taking apologize or even apologizing for the, the problems. If anything, Bob called them a called it an adversary ad, adversity. Also called it a what was the other word he used? Um, challenging few years. Again, no apology, no acceptance of responsibility. No interest in explaining what will be done to avoid these types of things in the future. 
or anything like that. Should the statement have said those things? I would think so. They don't, and we have to take it at that. We will continue to ask Bob to speak with us on this show and answer those questions about how this happened in the first place, especially for a program that has a history, unfortunately, of these types of violations, how there could be confusion with rules that, not to be blunt, but I even know, it, it's, it's concerning. And yes, this happened in the past, and there is new administration in place now at Stevens Point. I will, I will grant all of that. And the likelihood under said leadership now of this happening again would be expected to be probably pretty low, if ever. However, we've had a repeat anyway of this violation taking place. And there are some glaring things in that report if you read it. If you are a Stevens Point fan, faithful, alum, whoever, at least do yourself do yourself a favor and read the report. Read the entire 28 pages. Don't read the, the press release synopsis from the NCAA. Don't read just what is written on D3Hoops.com, though it is extensive. And don't just read what is written in your local newspaper, published on your television station's website, whatever the case may be. Read the entire 28 pages. Unfortunately, I have grown a habit of reading an entire report. I have done so with Baruch and Thomas More most recently, Kane, etc. You read these in detail. You highlight. You find things that jump out at you. You read it three or four times, at least in my case. Do yourself at least a favor and read it and understand truly what mistakes were made and how they impacted the program. There was an argument in our chat rooms that this didn't lead necessarily to a national championship, that practices in the fall didn't necessarily create an advantage to win a national championship. However, the committee disagrees. The Committee on Infractions, in a report that was written in conjunction with Stevens Point and Bob Semling, writes, As agreed to by Stevens Point, over five academic years, a men's basketball coaching staff impermissibly directed, observed, and engaged men's basketball student-athletes in athletically related activities outside the declared playing and practice seasons. It goes on to say UWSP gained an extensive, competitive, and recruiting advantage because of the violations. Remember, this included putting recruits into said practices and observing recruits. That is something that has actually been voted down in the NCAA twice in the last few years at the Division III level. The idea of tryouts when a student-athlete being recruited is on campus. There were those in the camp that said this would be a benefit. The national sack was against it both times, and the votes, as I remember, were not close. Those are the types of things that were being violated, things that have actually been discussed about being changed and shot down. We aren't going to keep rehashing this story. It is done and dusted. It is now in the past. It is not going to remove a national championship, and I don't know if it necessarily needed to be, but it's a major. It's a, it, there's five major violations in this report, four of them directly tied to Bob Semley, one of them to the uh, former athletics director who also acted completely unethically. It is mind-blowing how unethical some of the actions took place by multiple parties. It is mind-blowing how some of these violations were essentially brushed aside 
by whom directly we will probably never know, but we can make assumptions based on the report that how it is written. I'm hoping Stevens Point has figured out, you can't do this. I'm hoping the men's basketball program has woken up and understood, you can't do this. And I really hope other schools around Division Three wake up and realize, you cannot do this. And most importantly, if you've got a question about whether something is legal or not, you pick up the phone and you call the NCAA office and you ask them. Because that's what Thomas More didn't do, and now that's what Stevens Point didn't do. Again, new administration. We'll see how it all plays out. Well, let's get to some of your questions about things, and I appreciate you guys being patient amongst them. Back it up real quick here on Facebook. I thought I saw a question from somebody I wanted to get to, but uh, I might be mistaken. I don't see it. We'll double check uh, on YouTube. Yeah, we were talking about whether this took place before 2011, and the best we can understand is yes and no. A uh, question about from, um, from someone says, your take on the Wisconsin Superior Bethany Lutheran women's hoop game on Saturday, key players for each game for the UMAC regular season title. Well, I'm not going to dive into the key players because, honestly, I haven't had time to do that today. But here's what's fascinating about that race is, remember, Wisconsin Superior was a juggernaut for a long time, lost their first conference game this season in quite some time. I think it was to Bethany Lutheran, if memory serves. Uh, I think the UMAC's become a much more competitive race on both the men's and women's side. It is great to see. I'm very excited by that fact. Um, I, I think what you're seeing is a, a change of the tide to some degree. One, remember, Wisconsin Superior doesn't have the same coaching staff that has been in place. Um, if I remember, I'm actually going to jump in there and, and remind myself of, of, of what of that is. Um, Zach Otto Fisher is that head coach. Um, you know, they lost to Bethany Lutheran by 12, a game there. This time it's at Wisconsin Superior. Uh, it's going to be a good battle. Wisconsin Superior is 21 and two, but honestly, if you look through their schedule, haven't played a tremendous amount of teams that make you turn your head. Eau Claire is about the only one really on that list. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting a good game. I wouldn't be surprised if Bethany Lutheran wins that. I think Bethany Lutheran's 19-4 and and having a good season. The trick is it's at Wisconsin Superior. That makes it difficult all the time. Um, but, yeah, good race there in the UMAC. Nice to see. Uh, another question I got earlier today. said, what are your thoughts on Wabash College making the NCAA Division III, men's college, uh, Division III college basketball tournament this year? I'm talking about the men. Do you believe they need to win their conference tourney? They still have wit left in the regular season play. I fear that they will be left on the table. They started out hot, but have cooled down recently despite unbelievable play by record setter Jack Davidson. I welcome your insight and candid thoughts and comments about the Little Giants from Tom. Yeah, Tom, Wabash is concerning. Let's be honest. Um, I they, They've kind of not... I would, I, 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 well, I'm not going to jump out and say they fell apart, but wow. Um lost three of the last four Worcester Allegheny and DePaul and they've got Canyon Wittenberg Oberlin ahead of them the DePaul team beat them 94-79 after Wabash beat them 70-59 earlier in the season uh, the Worcester game was a nice comeback by Wabash I don't know if it if they got out of sync from that game because they probably lost to Allegheny 80-68 to beat Hiram by 15 but they shouldn't allow to hire him 80 points. Uh, 95-80 was the win there. Remember, the last game was 102-61. Wabash is clearly out of sync. They've got that Wittenberg coming up. The problem is it's at Wittenberg. 
and that's going to make things harder. Let's assume they they lose that game and win the other two. Now you're talking about a team who's now 18 and five, four losses in the conference. If they make the NCAA tournament, yeah, you're going to need to go out and win that conference because if you pick up a sixth loss and you sit there as in the in the at large selections, I think you risk being in a bit of a spot where um, the regional rankings aren't going to be friendly to you. I'm, I'm going into the regional rankings now. You know, they're sitting fifth now. Remember the data of regional ra- uh, results versus regionally ranked opponents is not in there. They will be one and one against Worcester. Uh, right now they're, they're one and zero against Wittenberg. Is that correct? I'm saying that and I might be incorrect on some of that data. I think they're in a little bit of trouble. I, I don't like being middle to lower bot side of a region. There's some regions that's not the end of the world. I think Great Lakes, you don't want to be near the bottom of that region. And, and Wabash with another loss, considering maybe another one with Wittenberg coming up. You know, All of a sudden there are five losses in the region, and I'm assuming the loss to Wittenberg just for, for argument's sake. Yeah, I think you're in, you're in a bit of a tight spot here. I think I'd be worried if I was Wabash fans, especially the way they're playing. They definitely need to kind of wake up to some degree, kind of figure some things out. There was another question I thought I had. Um, oh, now I can't find it. That's unfortunate. There was another question someone asked me. Someone asked me earlier today, what's the discrepancy between or disparity between regional rankings and the top 25? A reminder, the regional rankings for the NCAA is very criteriated. There is there is criterion for, for coaches and administrators to follow. That is the criteria they must follow. Top 25, we don't have criteria. Essentially, we can vote for who we think are the best 25 teams in the country. If we're really off or kind of wackadoodled with that, we're going to get called out on it, maybe lose our vote. The criteria in the NCAA, same deal. If coaches are way out of whack, they're going to be called out on it, and if they're egregious, they may be removed from the committee. But that criteria gives them a specific roadmap to go down. Now, the road may be really wide and allow them a lot of leeway inside that road, but that's the direction they're in. As a top 25 voter, I can choose the road I want to ride and figure out where I want to go from there to choose my top 25. So that's the big difference between the two. And and remember, as I said in the reply here, um, this is the case in all sports and all the divisions and all of the NCAA, even Division I. Now, we don't see regional rankings in Division I men's basketball that often. We certainly don't tend to see top 25 teams not in the national tournament. But the access ratio to the NCAA tournament in Division I pales into the comparison in the number of the access ratio in Division Three. We have 450-some-odd schools trying to gain access to the Division Three men's and women's basketball tournaments. Division Three, Division One's got 350, give or take. So 100 less schools and more bids. You do the math. It's a lot easier to get into the D1 tournament for all intents and purposes. Oh, the other question was on Twitter. University of Wisconsin-River Falls uh, playing a lot better due to D1 transfer Jake Stensgard that started this semester. The question is really about are there mid-season transfers that have joined and taken a team deep into March? Thanks, love the show, Clayton. It's a good question. Um, my gut feeling is yes. But i got to go back on my history at Cabrini. I can't remember if they got a kid in at mid-season that gave them a run or if he was there the whole season. 
Um, there have been others. Ramapo, Ram well, Ramapo hasn't gone deep. Their their deepest run was with a core that didn't have a lot of transfers, but Ramapo has had transfers that have gotten them to the NCAA tournament in the past. Uh, I, I'd have to go through, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's common. I also wouldn't say it's uncommon. If if that makes any sense, Clayton, um, you said deep into March. If we're if we're talking second to third weekend of March, that might be more unique. Um. Yeah, that's a good question. There was one raging debate on the NJAC boards a few weeks ago about, back in December really, about whether uh, transfers should be allowed at midseason amongst conference schools. The only conference, I believe, that restricts transfers is the WIAC. Maybe the CCIW, but definitely the WIAC. Uh, NJAC doesn't have that. There's a lot of reasons behind it. I kind of understand the reasons not to have it. I understand the reasons for it, too. You don't want coaches pillaging coaches or uh, programs necessarily. So, yeah, interesting question there. Uh, we'll have to look into that River Falls one. That's pretty good. Um, Joe Barnes going back to the conversation about assistant coaches, says not sure where D uh, Pat Coleman has been working, but unfortunately not many of us are able to pay assistant coaches 10K. No, some of you aren't, Joe, but we also chose a number that's pretty darn low. There are some programs that can absolutely – there are some programs that have two or three assistants paid for, two full-time, and there are some programs that have a bunch of, of part-time assistants. So while some of you can't, some of you can. So it's it's still a relevant argument, I think. I think it's still a, val a valid point. Uh, again, back to Greg. Congratulations to him on getting his uh, – well, I want to go one more. So we talked to Greg Giovanni at the beginning of the season about Augustana – can they, or beginning of January, can they go undefeated in the conference? And what to make of that? They obviously aren't going to go undefeated in the conference as North Central tripped them up last week. But he said their bigger goal was to try and win five straight conference titles. He was talking regular season because that's never been done in the CCIW. I agree with him. I think that's certainly a significant um, factor. They have now clinched at least a tie co-championship. Well, that could still be counted. I'd rather see them win it outright. So let's get one more win to lock it up, and then they would be the uh, conference champions for the CCIW. Real last thought about regional rankings before I sign off. For the most part, I wasn't shocked at what I saw. There wasn't anything that jumped out at me as, as being abnormal, for lack of a better description. Um they kind of felt right, especially considering we know that the metric on the men's side of SOS to win loss was being downplayed or really removed, which was going to downplay some things this year. Uh, so they didn't jump out at me as being glaring. Uh, we have a lot of losses to deal with. The Atlantic region is not going to get a lot of teams in, Is is the to be blunt. Uh, there isn't anybody less than four losses, and it's Baruch sitting in the seventh spot. Everybody else has got five losses or more. Um, hold on, hold on a second. Um, for Central, uh, it's it's a good group of CCIW and WIAC schools right now. Chicago's the only non-CCIW or WIAC, and they're sitting at the bottom of the of the rankings. That will change to some degree, and we'll get to that in a minute. On the men's east side, you know, interesting. But Brockport, with eight losses sitting in the sixth hole, tells you there is not going to be a lot of at-large teams out of the east. 
The Great Lakes, we've already kind of talked about. If you're into the Wabash-Wittenberg-Mount Union slot, I'd be nervous. Mid-Atlantic, we talked with Coach Krikorian about four CAC schools there. I'm, Arcadia is the only Commonwealth team on the list, and I think that's a big thing to, to look at. Salisbury being third is kind of interesting. Scranton being all the way down in eighth is a red alert uh, if you are a landmark fan. Um, by the way, there's another reason the CAC probably got extra bid there is the landmark's not that strong this year at all. It's not normally a powerhouse, but it, it's certainly not strong this year. Northeast, geez, there's a lot of good teams, but Amherst sitting 11th is a red alert about the about the win-loss versus SOS conversation. South region is full of good teams. The West region, as we knew, would be good, but Whitworth there tells you right now Whitworth's in some trouble. I think Whitworth's got to go out and win the conference now to assure themselves a chance in the tournament. I think if they put their their themselves in the hands of the committee, considering the only way they can get a win over a regionally ranked opponent at this point in time is to win the conference, meaning to be in that large spot, they will have lost that game. They've got some problems. Now, they've got some regional ranked opponents like uh, Johns, or Johns Hopkins was ranked, I believe, uh, though they're low on the list and they took another loss. They may be out of future regional rankings. So Whitworth's in some trouble. Remember, this is a team we thought maybe Whitworth and Whitman should be split. Whitworth is in trouble, plain and simple. Now, interesting note, and um, I, um, Gordon Mann put this together. Fascinating read. He says, um, the first set of publicly released regional rankings is sometimes described as a dry run because it doesn't include one of the important criterion, records versus regionally ranked opponents. It's hard for the eight geographically based regional ranking committees to take the take it into consideration because they don't know which teams are being ranked in other regions. And while you eventually can solve that through the initial iterative process on Selection Sunday, that's not worthwhile for this first set. And he's right. But he goes on to talk about what degree does that matter? Um, he looked at the last three years and only three at-large teams have made the NCAA tournament who were not ranked in the first regional rankings. Um, for those teams that weren't ranked on Wednesday and are nursing hopes that they are right on the cusp of being in the at-large conversation, if they just get hot and the right teams get above them, get cold. Recent history is not on their side. Now, this year's a caveat where that SOS versus win-loss is different. We don't have that same metric in place. But that's an interesting premise. Go read it. It's on the front page. I think it's worth the read. The only three were NYU, which, remember, a lot of us shook our head about getting in in 2016. Endicott received an at-large bid in 2017, though they weren't on the first Northeast rankings. And Oshkosh, that was that crazy season. They were 17-10. and 10. Uh, as we joke, they were the unicorn of the at-large process because of a lot of that gaudy SOS loss or SOS number. So you take those, and they were the extreme cases. Consider that. Um, that's an interesting read. And with that, we'll wrap things up. Um, Scott Denham says, was Coach Moore on your show today? I saw an email from the College of Worcester indicating that he was going to be on. I've missed most of the program due to a schedule conflict. Scott, he was on last week. He was on last Thursday's show. I'm not sure what email you may have gotten from the college, but he was on the marathon show. Maybe the email indicated he had been on the show, but he was on our marathon show last Thursday. Great chatting with Scott Moore. 
to stay the least. Checking really quick, make sure there isn't any other questions before we get rolling and done and dusted. There are not. Again, go read the Stevens Point case. It'll be eye-opening. Also understand a lot of why the rules and regulations are the way they are. I want to thank all of our guests who are appearing on the show. Again, Brad Duckworth at Stevens Point. Really appreciate his candor as athletics director to come on the show and talk about it. And then Pat Coleman for coming on to help break it all down. We could have done more. I think it would have been a fascinating conversation. But we are technically done, except we promise you we will keep working on having Bob Semling on the show because that's what we were assured would happen once the, once the investigation was over. And we look forward to hearing from him in the future. I also want to thank Lauren Hayden, the assistant coach at Lynchburg Women's Basketball, for being in our WBCA Center Court segment. Julie Folks for appearing um, as well from Transylvania Women's Basketball. John Krikorian from Christopher Newport. Chris Downs from St. Lawrence. And Bob Amsbury from Wartburg. Hope I get all the SIDs right here. Tim at Stevens Point. Of course, I, want to I knew the first one I was going to forget would be our friends uh, at Lynchburg because that's just how my brain is not working um these days bear with me i will find it i have it right here mark that's who it is i want to th thank mark at uh lynchburg I want to thank justin at transylvania I want to thank rob and francis get better christopher newport okay We'd love to see you back in the office at st lawrence I want to thank megan and then at Wartburg, I want to thank katie, katie joe for appearing for their help in getting these guests on the show we'll be back on the air sunday night seven o'clock eastern time join us as well talk about what we may see from regional rankings what we may see from the top 25 and what we may see from the last week of the regular season before conference tournaments are fully in gear though conference tournaments will be starting even sooner than that you listen to hoops presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca and abc studios I want to thank our partners at d3hoops.com women's basketball coaches association national association of basketball coaches blue frame technology city of salem get your tickets to the women's basketball final four at, at roanoke college they're on sale now I want to thank the city of salem for their assistance also want to thank um randolph macon as well as others who advertise on this show this show is copyrighted by DMAC Productions, Hoopsville, and myself. If you'd like to re-air the show, we thank you. And we look forward to uh, seeing what you would like to do with it. But please contact us for official permission as well. Again, if you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Join us back here Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern. Good night, and enjoy what should be a fun weekend of basketball.